This is Jocko Podcast number 344 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Also joining us tonight, Dean Lister. Good evening. Good evening, Dean. Dean Lister from Podcast 137. If you haven't heard that, go listen to it. Dean is, uh, is it safe to say Dean's one of the greatest grapplers of all time? Is it, I have to ask, ask Echo Charles. Well, is it yeah, safe to say that? It is safe to say okay. that, yes. <laughs> like, Jiu-Jitsu world champion. Is that accurate? Yeah, Abu Dhabi, it's, um, it's like the hardest tournament. Submission. To I won it three times, super fight, uh, absolute in my division. So Check. I, guess, I don't know, best, it's always relative, you know. Well, at, we could at least, at a minimum, we could say he's a good grappler. Yes, sir. It's safe to say he's a good grappler. I agree with that completely. <laughs> a few good days, a few good days. So, uh, good evening, Dean. You know, you fought in, in a bunch of stuff. Fought in the Pride over in Japan. Fought in the UFC. And I thought it'd be cool to bring you on because we got some stuff to talk about. Is that, speaking of the UFC, so the UFC kind of changed everything for martial arts. And, and really, I guess you go back to like Valet Tudo in Brazil and NHB in Brazil. But that type of unrestricted fighting advanced martial arts in a decade or two more than it had advanced more than it had advanced Ever, almost. in a very long time. But, you know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about what you just said. And I actually think that's actually not true a little bit. And here's why. I think it actually brought it back to yeah. reality. Because if you went back to ancient Greece and looked at pancreation, right? Yeah. Those guys, and we have images of people doing pancreation. Omoplatas. And they're doing omoplatas. They're doing kameras. They're doing, they're doing heel hooks. They're, they're doing what we do. And pancreation, if you don't know what it is, it was in the Olympics. <laughs> and I'm talking the old school Olympics. I'm old talking school. 648 BC is when pancreation was introduced into the Olympics. And it was a combination of wrestling, boxing, kicking, joint locks, chokes. It was, in other words, an ancient version of MMA. But over time, over time, things got separated. The disciplines got separated into boxing over here, wrestling over here, Muay Thai over here, Jiu Jitsu over here, Judo over here, Taekwondo over here, Karate over here. And I was trying to think about why that happened. And I actually think I have a, I have a, a suspicion, we'll say, a hypothesis. Right, cool. My hypothesis is, you know how people generally only wanna do what they're good at? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. oh, you're good at, Bench press? What are we doing for a workout today? We're doing bench press. Oh, yeah. Or oh, you you're good at squats. What do you want to do today? Oh, we're gonna do squats. Yeah. Oh, you're good at you're good at grappling other people. So you don't want. I don't want. You know, I'm good at boxing. I don't want Dean Lister grabbing hold of me and taking me to the ground. And I don't. Something to make a different thing. Yeah. Something that I'm good at. And that starts to draw in all the people that are good at that thing. Yeah. And over time. It seems like you just have these separate things. Now, whether that's the actual reason, I don't know. But th everything got separated. And martial arts became so siloed, right? Where it's just different sections. And then, unfortunately, martial arts became theoretical. And it didn't take the much time for it to go from theory to lies. And I know lies is a strong word, but if you go look at uh, uh, 
what's the what's the Instagram? McDojo. I mean, if you go look at McDojo, those are lies. That yeah. that that dude posts. What's his name? Um, McDojo Life. McDojo Life. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to McDojo Life, you can see people are teaching lies, actual lies to other people. And you know the lies are things like, "Oh, this one strike, or my chi will prevent me from being taken down, or I can absorb your strikes with my aura." <laughs> yeah, Jacquel, do you think yeah. that's? You think it's a form of I don't want to say hypnosis, but like, what is it you think? Like that is it like, oh, everyone else is doing it, so I guess I'll do there, it. I'll play along, or is it do they actually? There's act, absolutely some kind of psychological. On, yeah. There's a psychological phenomenon that occurs. He isn't he making a movie about this? Yeah, to yeah, explain like a it, documentary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to explain, and I'm sure I'll there's be in that. I'll be in that movie. That's awesome. You in it too, Echo Charles? Uh, no. Okay, so. McDojo Life is making a movie about it, but yeah, there's some kind of psychological manipulation that happens where, oh, you point your f- finger at my sternum and I feel like pain and fall down. Yeah. And, and the reason we know it's a lie is because plenty of people have challenged like, oh, try that on me, yeah. mother liquor. <laughs> so what's the story about you? You were at, uh, I don't know about the SEAL base, but you were there and some guy's like, yeah, you know, Put your your finger in the collarbone, and you're like, no. And he's like, yeah, it works. And he said, try it on me. And and you double ate him or something. Like that. What was no. It? <laughs> well, I, I had a guy <laughs> saying that like they they had a name for this like neck strike, and they were like, oh, if if this is done, like if, if I did this for real, mm-hmm. you you you'd immediately be like paralyzed on the right side of your body, and that would cause you to fall down, yeah. and then that would lead to my next move, which is a heel stomp to the groin or whatever, right? <laughs> and so I was like, cool, do it to me. Like, no, and the guy's like, "Well, no, it's you know." Like, and I was like, "Do it to me, just do it." And it didn't. It didn't obviously didn't work. Like yeah. a karate chop to the neck. But did yeah. he take, take one? Like, second one, and the third one, you responded. I heard that you, you retaliated. No, I don't no. even think I retaliated. The word uh, is that the word. That no, Jeff like. Higgs had a guy that said that he couldn't be taken be down once ground. he settled his chi. He could root into the ground. <laughs> yeah, he would root into the ground, yeah. and Hig, the guy's like, "You would not be able to take me down." And Higgs is, you know, what do you mean? And Higgs, if you don't know who he is, he's been on the podcast. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's a, uh, a former SEAL and a, and a good friend of all of ours. But this guy was saying, oh, you can't take me down once I settle my chi. I always, re- I always remember that's a good quote, right? So, once I settle my chi. Because it sounds like it might be a legitimate thing, right? Like, that's like, you just didn't make that up. That's you, mm-hmm. you, You've told that to other people. Yep, and so settled. Jeff's like, okay, well, why don't you go ahead and settle that chi? And the guy goes through his little ceremonial thing and, like, you know, gets in the horse stance. Hell yeah. And Higgs is like, oh, are you ready? He's like, yeah. And Jeff just like double legs and slaps him on the ground. <laughs> like, uh, my, my toes were crossed. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't settled. Uh, so there is some, when you get to that kind of McDojo stuff, there's definitely some psychological weirdness that's going on. Um, but those lies were spread. And, you know, whether it was you can't, you can't strike through my aura or the dim mock, which is, hey, if I touch you here, you're going to literally die. Die a few, a few days later, which also leads to the hey, I can't actually do this to you because I, I don't want to kill you yeah. and go to jail for murder. Okay, mm-hmm. I would do it to you because you're making me mad, but I don't want to go to jail for murder, so I'm not going to do this, you know, dim mock to you. Yeah, and, and furthermore, you know what? My the reason you don't see these moves in competition because they're not allowed, Jocko. Eight yeah, times as a UFC fighter, I've had guys come to me and go. Hey, you know, I saw your fight. You're a good fighter. You know, I'm a street fighter, Joe. You know, and I'm like, okay. But they had to, like, qualify that for some reason to me. 
I'm like, well, you know, okay, that's cool. You know, it's just, it's just kind of funny that someone thinks that maybe I've never been in a, a real life altercation outside. <laughs> you know, also like, like I, I've been, I've had my. That's why I look special. My face. <laughs> I've been bit. I've been I've been poked and whatever. Anything else you can imagine. But it's like, um, yeah, those things. I would call them targets of opportunity or fighting dirty. Yeah. But you can't replicate the eye gouge over and over. Or you're gonna have everyone's gonna have one eye. You know. So, right. so um, I don't know. I just think it's funny that that people think that. Despite all your training, if it's a street fight, like you have no chance. Or yeah. I don't know, man, whatever. Well, if you could do an experiment where you took someone and just trained them in jujitsu, and they never got in a street fight, and you went, they went against someone that was a quote street, street fighter fight. in the street. It's like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The so so the training will transfer. Now, look, could you pick up some bad habits? Where you do something in the street that takes now it takes you an extra two seconds to win because you sh- you should have done this specific thing because you yeah you could do that but that's like the tiniest percentage. If there's someone that's like that's why I don't train you know because I I'm ready for the street. <laughs> um, but going back to the storyline a little bit, this these lies which still exist today. In the 70s and 80s, these lies were just kind of like out of control. And they definitely got picked up in the military. Um, I was looking through some old uh, army, I looked through an old army hand-to-hand manual from 1982. So this is like in the heyday of Chi. And it said this in this manual, no judo. You have probably already asked yourself, what about throwing and takedowns like in judo? We have purposely excluded throws and takedowns because throws and takedowns are normally only an intermediate step to taking your opponent out. After your opponent is thrown to the ground, you will probably still have to strike him to finish him. So let's just block his attack and finish him with counter strikes instead of blocking, throwing, then striking. (laughs) It's like, that actually makes you think, well, you know, that's a good point. You know, that's a good point. You know, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna have to take someone down, I'll just take them out. <laughs> this thing goes on to say that throwing puts you in a vulnerable position. To throw your opponent, you must first grab him. This puts you close to your opponent and vulnerable to his attack. Certain throws, yeah, certain throws. Yeah. Well, for sure. Well, theoretically, again, that's the problem with this stuff, is theoretically, especially if I say, listen, Dean, if I, you know, double knuckle punch your sternum, it's gonna cause you to have a cardiac arrest. So why am I gonna bother throwing you when I can just give you a literal heart attack? Yeah. And you and if you if you said, well, why don't you show me that? I'd be like, because I don't want to kill you, bro. You just have to, but trust me. So actually what's interesting is in that book that that field manual I was looking at, I you know, I'm looking at the rest of it and it has all these like <laughs> their foot patterns and it looks like these dance moves to like avoid and like strengthen your power and it's just a bunch of nonsense yeah. to be honest with you but like I just said if this stuff is getting taught by some authoritarian figure and you yeah. can't really <clears throat> test it in any way and you know this is someone that's a you know a 38 year old who's talking to an 18 year old recruit that kind of wants to believe by the way yeah. because most people are like oh you're giving me a special power I'm gonna take it I'm not gonna question you and that's probably what leads to some of the uh, weird McDojo life type scenarios um, 
so this to me this is like the low point of martial arts in history in my in my opinion yeah. this is the 1970s the 1980s and look i get it some guys were doing the best they could with what was available and good on them i know some of those guys Remember Dr. Mick? Dr. Mick was one of those guys. Yeah. And he had a whole crew of guys. Like in the 70s, they did everything they could to the extent that they could do it. And, and there was also some guys that were awesome back then. Judo Jean LaBelle. Like no one can question the effectiveness and the efficiency and the awesomeness of Judo Jean LaBelle. 50s, 60s, 70s. But as a whole, if you look at commercially, that time period was pretty rough for martial arts. And then the UFC came. And the UFC brought the truth. And with that, everything changed for the better. I'm taking notes, by the way. It's good stuff. <laughs> everything changed for the better. What's your, what's, your, what's your notes? Do you have any so far? Well, I wrote a few things down. I just think we'll get into this, but it's an old saying, and I'll butcher it probably, but oh, there we go. Something like, Hard work achieved without payment or without sacrifice is, is something you shouldn't trust. So the quick way to get this quick knockout without learning how to box or, or the quick way to get the, the flying submission or the steam cigar neck break <laughs> without learning to grapple, you know, it, it seems good, but it doesn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to get in shape without without working out, you know. You know I don't know if you just get, like, like implants in your biceps like like you. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bicep implants, yeah. Those, those like arms don't work, exactly. Yeah, I know, I know. Sorry, <laughs> I won't say it on the internet. It's private. Um, but, you know, these kind of things, these shortcuts. Um, you know, the, become a millionaire tomorrow yeah. without without even having a business plan. You know, mm-hmm. this, this, I'm saying that's an interesting idea. So it sounds good. Mm-hmm. And I think if someone trained a lot in boxing, kickboxing, and wrestling, and you know, you could do that stuff yeah. if you train in all these these disciplines. I think it's interesting. That is something that I think it's imperative to get into. I ask you this, Jocko. It's a. It relates to what we're talking about right now. I had a, I had a Zoom call with like twelve Marine officers. They called me. It was a colonel. They called me. They were they were always, I don't know captains and lieutenants and they were talking about you know because they had fought I guess they saw me compete in Brazil talking about my my training patterns and whatever and they were saying how, how it can relate to the military and I said well and this is something I know it's, I'm stepping out a little out of my my realm but I, I mentioned something you know simulation training of course you talk about that and that's not combat but that's closer to combat than bang 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 mm-hmm. you know and uh, I know the argument they don't go through walls and they're not as realistic but you get you get a sting you got you got hit and they were like, no, there's, yeah, that, that's a closer to a gun battle than laser tag or something like that. What, what's, the, what's the old system that would, that would beat? Yeah, there's an old system called Miles Gear, Miles, which is yeah. a laser tag system, and they have yeah. more advanced laser systems, yeah. which are actually really good now. Mm. Uh, and, and yes, that's a very, those are great training tools. And sure, yeah. are there some little things about using those systems that are not accurate? Yes, mm. but just as you said, it's closer. So if you're getting ready for... I don't know, even a life and death situation. I, I would rather trust the person who has trained 10 years in a, str- in a struggle where they've, they've dealt with adversity, they've been, in, they've been in panic situations and then calm versus someone who, I don't know, let's say is open to more dirty things but has never practiced it in real life. Then again, if someone has actually been through life with that situation and used it, that's, that's good, mm-hmm. I guess. But I think it's important to find that training medium. So gloves, matter of fact, I guess I should wear more gloves <laughs> when I train. Uh, but, you know, if you don't wear gloves, your hands get stronger, but you can also hurt your hands. Um, 
so gloves have a place, but then again, you can't rely upon big gloves in boxing. You have, you have small, you have right. no gloves, and you know you can't cover up the seam. So I think it's important to find the happy balance, that medium between hard training and realism. Yeah, yeah, and that's what what the UFC did, and really jujitsu is a huge part of this. Is you can train full speed, right? You can go hard, and and look, you can spar in boxing, and you can in wrestling. You're you're going live against other people. But when you take that and put it together into a martial art, jiu-jitsu was like bringing that forward. And boxing did it, wrestling did it, jiu-jitsu does it, Muay Thai does it. But who didn't do it was like Dimak and the old kind of weird traditional martial arts that didn't actually do anything Mm -hmm. except for theory. theory. So as, as the UFC happened, we started to see this in the military and people in the military started learning and testing and started to move the military combatives to a much better place. And one of the leaders in this is a guy named Matt Larson. I don't actually know him, but uh, everybody kind of knows him. He's a former Marine, former Army Ranger, and he's, I, I think he's pretty much known as the father of modern Army combatives. He's the one that started to train and formalize and kind of push this well-rounded approach, realistic approach to hand-to-hand combat. And eventually his work, and look, I'm giving one person all the credit right now, I'm sure he would talk about all the people that helped him get there, but um, this is the person that I know of that was involved, and I'm, like I said, I'm sure there's many more people, but he certainly was uh, a spearhead on this. And his work, and whoever he was working with at the time, eventually became an army field manual. An army field manual, 3TAC 25.150 combatives. And I, I thought today maybe we could take a look at this manual, go through some of the highlights, discuss how it can be applied. And not only can it be applied to how we fight, of course, but also how we train and how we live. So there you go. Let's take a, take a look at this manual, combatives picture of a dude with a freaking k-bar on the cover gotta love that here's the overview the overview to kick this thing off it says combatives training stands apart from the vast majority of martial arts training in that producing the individual's actual fighting ability is of primary concern the mental and physical benefits of training gain their worth from usefulness in producing more capable soldiers now I'm not 100% sure I agree with that opening statement. Only because it says, you know, combatives training, the, 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 the main thing about combatives training is that you're trying to improve the fighting ability of the person. Mm-hmm. Doesn't all jujitsu and boxing and Muay Thai try to make you a better fighter? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I must be misreading that or something, but that's what we're trying to do, is make someone a better fighter. I guess I'll, I'll go with it. Uh, Purpose, combatives, the art of hand-to-hand combat bridges the gap between physical training and tactics. The products of a good physical training plan, strength, endurance, and flexibility must be directed toward the mission, and soldiers must be prepared to use different levels of force in an environment where the intensity of a conflict changes quickly. Many military operations, such as peacekeeping missions or non-combatant evacuation, may restrict the use of lethal force. Combatives training prepares the soldier to use the appropriate amount of force for any situation. Okay, so that's 
that's always good. And you know, sometimes people will ask me, hey, have you ever used hand-to-hand? And they, they, they actually think my answer is gonna be no. And they think that yeah. most people would never use hand-to-hand, but it actually is very common to use combative, combative techniques in combat. Why? Because you're dealing with civilians, you're dealing with unarmed people, and you can't just run around shooting everybody in a semi-permissive environment, or even in a wartime environment, you, you see someone that's not armed or you enter a building, there's a, a male, a female, a kid that doesn't have a weapon, you, you have to contend with them. So combative is very important to have as a skill set to handle. You know, actually, when the person, when the enemy has a gun, it makes everything easier. You kill him, you shoot him, done deal, no factor. <coughs> What'd you write down, Dean? A couple of things about the origin of martial arts and how how some things have shaped regionally. Just a little before, but um, also I was mention one detail. I saw someone uh, from one military service of one country. I won't, I won't get too specific, but I saw the person teaching. Uh, he has his knuckles right here on his hit, uh, hand like he's a boxer with big gloves. Mm-hmm. If you do that with no gloves, your own hand will cut your face. Yep. So things like that, they're teaching the recruits. I'm talking there's like 200 people in the class. It was one of our services. I won't say which one. And teaching people to hold it like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, well, even in boxing, I wouldn't do that. But with big gloves, it makes more sense. You can see over. Yep. That right there is someone who actually has never been punched in the face with, with without <laughs> gloves on. <laughs> teaching that to 200 people at a time. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't correct them. Yeah. I would, I didn't, but, you know, he's actually he's having them like this. I'm like, man, yeah. you know, I at least want to be here. Or maybe I'll just, it's just interesting that that person teaching people how to punch with no gloves on. Probably has never been punched in the face. Yep, and probably. he may be a skilled boxer. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, probably. And yeah. he's probably may may have been punched in the head, you know, while he had his while he had his cover up. And you can realize you can absorb. You've got their yep. big glove versus going into work. your big glove, yep. and it absorbs. You take those big gloves off, you punch right through that person's hand. So that is a little bit. We're looking at a sport, boxing, which is great. I love boxing, yep. but if you do not alter. That part, by the way, not every boxer does this. Yeah. I'm saying this person, some boxers in the corner, you cover them like this. If you don't alter that rule, that would actually cause you to get a lot of damage in a fight because this also, you don't cover much of your face with this, yeah. well, these little hands and the same, but with, without gloves. <laughs> so that's an example. I was just trying to say how we're looking for the happy medium yep. because we are dealing with the military, not boxing and not wrestling. It's actually a military application. Yeah. Uh, it goes on to say here, combatives training includes arduous physical training that is mentally demanding and carries over to other military pursuits. This training produces soldiers who understand controlled aggression and remain focused while under duress. That's awesome. That's true. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you get good at fighting, it's going to help you stay calm in other situations. That That's an awesome aspect of training. It, you process the skill the skills requisite to the mission at levels in all the spectrum, in all the levels of spectrum of force. So you're gonna learn how to control different scenarios. Have attributes that make up the warrior ethos, personal courage, self-confidence, self-discipline, and esprit de corps. That's huge. It's so good for people to know how to fight. <laughs> it's just so good for people to know how to fight. Yeah. You actually, when you know how to fight, you become less arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. No, you might be. You might if you're 20 years old. That's you true. might. You might have a spike in your arrogance, right? Echo Charles, you smiling at that one? Yeah, there are exceptions. We'll just say that. Yeah, where you get a little spike in your arrogance, but over time you'll realize, okay, 
I'm the reason I'm good is because I trained more and guess what? There's someone that's trained more than me and that's the way it is. So yeah, generally speaking, it'll help your self-confidence while at the same time preventing you from becoming arrogant. Yeah, you get beat up so much, you have to be calm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's humbling, man. Yeah. It's humbling. You remember the first time you tapped me out a hundred times in the gym when I first showed up? I was a young seal rolling in there thinking I knew how to fight, didn't know Jack. Jocko, would, when he would tap, he would just, he would just tap. <laughs> no expression on my face. Just, let's train again. <laughs> so it's humbling. Especially, what were you, 17 or 18 when we started training? 19, 19 years, old, years yeah. old. You were 170 pounds. Yeah. And I was like 220. <laughs> I was a grown man. You were a kid. And I'm like, well, this poor guy, I'm going to smash his little head. <laughs> um, Throughout modern history, attempts to build successful combative systems have failed or have been met with limited success. This has happened for several reasons. Quite naturally, commanders desire a system that doesn't require any training time to learn and maintain. So that's a real problem out of the gate. People think, well, you know, I saw an, I saw a thing where you can just learn four deadly moves yeah. and you'll be good to go. Why don't we just use that, bro? That's what I'm talking about, exactly. Four deadly moves to end any street fight. Mm -hmm. The commander's like, hey, I think we should just learn. I, I saw those four deadly moves. Why don't we just focus on those? That way you don't have to spend a bunch of time. There's a guy, he actually has, it's like a, it's tagged in like YouTube. So it's like um, ex-Army Ranger, um, plus 10 years of bouncing experience, has won over 500 bar fights, never been hit in the face once. What I buy a system, I'm just like, I, I'm not gonna check it out. Just <laughs> just uh, win every fight under three, four seconds, just yeah. whatever. Now there's ways to surprise people. There's ways yeah. to look over there and hit someone. There's ways to <laughs> have your friend. I mean, there's all kinds of tricks uh, to, to trick, you can trick someone out in public, but I don't know, just, it's just funny how this, this get strong, quick, with no, no sacrifice game, or get rich quick, that's what I was saying earlier. I don't know, it's kind of like um, not the future. Yep. Yep, it's, it's gonna take some time. Uh, continuing on, further training has often been conducted by experts in civilian martial arts. These experts use training methodologies that are designed for more civilian hobbyists than realities of war. That's exactly what you were just talking about with the yeah. boxing gloves, right? Oh, I'm a great boxer, I'll teach you how to box, cool. But I'm not wearing gloves, now I'm breaking my hand, now I'm getting punched in the face when I thought I was covered up. It's like, that. there's the issues. Often, combatives training has been approached by allowing a soldier versed in a civilian martial art to use a limited amount of training time, usually during another course, to teach a useful technique. Blinded by their civilian training, the trainer demonstrates what the trainer thinks are simple, effective, and easy to learn techniques selected by, based on situations soldiers may find themselves or in a tactical niche of the specialist training. The trainer teaches the soldiers these techniques, but due to the limited amount of training time, the soldier quickly forgets them. The soldiers quickly forget them. To overcome these tendencies, a combatives training system must be based on certain principles and then maintained. So this was another thing. I ran into that in the SEAL teams. Like for a while, the SEAL teams was using this system where one of the, one of the, one of the best benefits of the system claimed by the people that were pushing the system was, hey, this system that we're being taught only takes five days to learn. Yeah. So, and meanwhile, some people are talking about becoming, you know, using more mixed martial arts based systems when those things take years to become an expert. Mm. Why would we do that? You know, it's sort of like seven minute abs, right? <laughs> it's like, You're it's, like, yeah, hey yeah. dude, I'm not, why do all this cardio weightlifting and diet and all this stuff? I can just do seven minute abs and I'll be good to go with the abs. Oh, six minute abs. Six minute abs. Oh, I'll sell you. Yeah. Oh yeah, you outsold me. So, <laughs> so don't 
fall for that, that, that idea that, oh, you, the reason you should use my system is because it's faster. Yeah. It's not a good, it's not, a, it's not real. Because you're not going to become a good fighter in five days. Could you learn a f- couple fundamental moves in five days? Yes, you absolutely could. You absolutely can, and they could save your life. Yeah, you know, you could, you could, you could, your life could be saved by knowing some fundamental moves that you learn in a five-day period. But are you going to be well versed? No. Are you going to forget those moves? Yes. Are you going to know how to react when there's a variable involved? No. So there is no easy, quick solution to be good at fighting. It doesn't exist. Could you learn, you know, three dynamic moves that if you're a bouncer in a bar and you're going against some drunk guy that doesn't expect it and you do these moves, they'll probably work a lot. But what happens when that dude drops in and does a double leg on you, you know, <laughs> or squares up and is like a skilled fighter? It's going to be a problem. So. Here's the, here's the principles that they recommend. Systematic training, foundation, continuous training, competition, drills, live training, integrated training, combat feed, feedback. Cool. What'd you write, Dean? No, that's what I was, was going to say, like a kind of funny story. <laughs> like we're talking about weight loss. So, you know, let's say when I go through my weight cutting phase, you know, I'll lose like 15 pounds in, I don't know, 10 days, and then I'll cut water weight, which is it's really unhealthy, but it's really, really bad for you to do that. But, you know, cut 33 pounds and, and you know, 12 days, whatever, you, you were there with me on that. But, so people go, how, how do you lose that much weight in, in two weeks? I'm like, well, it's not sustainable. You know, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, it's not the secret. You could do that, but it's, it's a miserable life. It's hard to do, and you can't do it f- forever. And remember, remember Sarge, when he tried to cut 50 pounds in a week? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he had the look of death in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarge, yeah. so he lost like 25 pounds, right? Because yep. uh, Sarge, Brian Sarge is a good friend of ours. Uh, Ex seal, but he he actually I think was trying to lose forty pounds or something like that. Yeah, he went cr- and and look, Sarge is about as hard as they come yeah. as far as like just being like I'm gonna finish this thing, whatever it is. He's he's up there in the top echelon yeah. of I'm not gonna give up on this thing. And it's almost Walking Dead, almost yeah. Walking Dead. I mean, <laughs> and I, I remember I showed up at the gym and I saw him, and he'd already he was like sauna. he you know he was done. Yeah, he was like, hey, he was like, yeah, I was cutting, and he goes, he looked at me, and with that like dead serious look, he's like, I was gonna die soon. <laughs> that was his assessment. He was like, he was like, yeah, he goes, I got down, I he goes, I cut thirty eight pounds and whatever, and he goes, and uh, and then I got to a point where I was gonna die soon. So, yeah. and he's a he's a corpsman, he's a medic, he's a he's a independent duty corpsman, which is like the highest level of, yep. and you know, a special operations corpsman, little surgery. Yeah. yeah. So he's yeah. just like, he's like, yeah, I was gonna die soon. That was his assessment. <laughs> so I was trying to tie. <laughs> a story about one of our bros, but it's, it's just funny, it's funny in a sadistic way, but even Sarge would laugh at it too. He's, he has a good sense of humor, uh, our type of humor. But uh, so there is a way to lose weight that fast, but it's not sustainable, it's not healthy, plus you have to know what you're doing, yeah, and then and you, you have to know when to do it correctly, and then you can also get in trouble. So so weight loss, how about quick way to lose weight? Yes, it's possible, but it sucks, it's miserable, it's, it's not sustainable, but you can actually get on a sensible diet, get in a consistent workout routine, and you know what? You could lose, let's say two pounds a week, you could do that consistently, you know, you can, you yep. can easily, and actually have energy and be fine. Yep. You, you'll be hungry, but you'll, you'll be fine. Um, but it takes discipline, right? Yep. Discipline. So I'm talking at this, learn it, and I see what they're saying. It sounds marketable, but as I was mentioning earlier, the quick fix way to get around things in training is usually not the best way. No. You're going to have to put in the time, people. Yeah. Uh, and this is exactly what they say here. This next section is called systematic training. Learning to fight is a process, not an event. 
To be effective, combatives training must be part of a system. Until soldiers learn techniques that form the system's foundation, they are unprepared for follow-on training. Shortcuts are teaching soldiers what they need to know is counterproductive. Hmm. Much as advanced tactical training is counterproductive if a soldier has not first been taught how to operate his weapon. Army combatives training must be based in a system that both lays a foundation of abilities that soldiers take with them wherever they are assigned and is flexible enough to fit the wide range of specialized missions soldiers are asked to do. So it's the same thing that we're talking about. Continuous training. Combatives training must not end upon graduation from a training course. For, and this is, by the way, everything we're saying applies to police officers as well. Yeah. Fortunately, a lot of a lot of cops, they don't have any more training after they get out of, out of the No, academy. it's horrible. Or yeah. they get three hours a year or four yeah. hours a year. Yeah. So training has to be continuous. It can't end when you graduate. For soldiers to develop their abilities, the majority of training must happen outside of the institutional training environment. So that's, yeah. think about that. The majority of training has to be outside what you learn in the schoolhouse. Units must develop their own combatives programs to spur troops to involvement, encourage commanders to invest resources. So there you go. Competition. Competition is the principal motivational tool used to spur combatives training. Competition should be not only used to encourage excellence by giving soldiers a chance to be unit champions, but also to make fighting ability an integral part of soldiering. So if you're not running some competitions, you're not gonna get people to train. And yeah. look, can you get someone that's like, hey, I'm just dedicated, no one might need it on the job, sure. But how many of those 20 year olds that we're talking about is gonna be like, dude, are you gonna do the, are you gonna do the brigade competition? Yeah. See who's got it? Yeah. See where you're at? Mm-hmm. And by the way, what about you're doing the brigade composition, so you might wanna like train so you're at least ready for you so you don't look like a jagass. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> talks about drills. <clears throat> You know, you gotta do drills. Live training, live training involves training against a fully resistant training partner, which approaches the reality of combat. This is what you were talking about earlier, Dean. There are many methods of live training. Each has its own strength and weaknesses. Therefore, leadership combines several approaches to ensure proper training. Integrated training. Combative engagements do not happen in a vacuum. They happen as part of a mission. So give soldiers the tools they need to successfully complete their missions. Combatives must be an integral part of the training. So that means, you can't just make it an isolated, okay. Like, you know what a red man suit is? Red man suit is like the guy you can punch because they're wearing like a big padded outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you need to integrate that into a random part of a regular mission, a regular training mission. You can't say, oh, today we're doing combatives only. No, you need to walk into a room and there's gotta be some person in a red man suit just ready, ready <laughs> to throw down and you gotta deal with it. And you gotta see how it affects everyone else in the room and how many people it takes and how it slows down the assault force and all that stuff. That's integrated training. Combat. What'd you write down, Dean? Just different things. I was. I was just. Um, I had random stories. Um, I was gonna say. Remember this. Uh, even people listen to this. You know, yeah, yeah. But the the pretty lie is more appealing than the ugly truth. You know. So the ugly truth is it's not really ugly if you get into it. You get into the sport. It's not so ugly. Or maybe that is the beauty of it in a way. But uh, the pretty lie is always still appealing. Mm-hmm. I have a forty. I have a forty course for you, you know, you're guaranteed to win every fight. That's still appealing to most people, mm-hmm. still is, even though we're seeing this. And uh, I, I just hope that people listening to this, it's not, well it is, it can be torturous, but it's something that 
lights a fire under your ass, your butt every day as far as you want to train more. You, I can get sick of jujitsu for one day and the next day I'm fine. I'm back into it for some reason. You get sick of it. I'm like, man, the next day you're like, okay, I want you know, I'm back to it. Oh, you okay, can so. definitely have a rough day on the mat. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, yes, true. No. It, it's just that um, we talk about work, repetition, drills, competition, all this stuff. It seems like a lot to do. It is a lot to do. But, I mean, this is the ugly truth. You know what I'm saying? So, that's just what I was writing down, just mm-hmm. that the pretty lie is still appealing to people that are listening to this right now. The pretty lie is still out there. It's still something that people are going to be attempted by. Yep. Still. And, and, and the pretty lie, you want you yep. want it to be true because it's true. easier. You yeah. want it to be true. That's how uh, get-rich-quick schemes work, right? Yeah. People want to believe that a mere $1,299 investment now, yeah. when you learn these skills. It's true. Chaco, I wanted to believe that you could lose... 18 pounds of water by being in a in a in a Epsom salt tub <laughs> in a half hour. I wanted to believe that. It was not true. No, quarter pound. <laughs> Have you ever missed weight? No, no, I was made weight. Yeah. Yeah, I was made weight. Man, you suffered a few times. Yeah. I have big bones, I don't know. It's not fun. Big bones and pizza, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, a couple times it was like, uh, all right, let's check your weight. Oh, you're 28 pounds over and you got to fight in six days hmm. pizza <laughs> how's that pizza tasting i hope it no. was good <laughs> <laughs> now you gotta pay <laughs> uh <clears throat> combat feedback when soldiers engaged are engaged in hand-to-hand combat they acquire new information about combatives these lessons must be captured and analyzed so the combatives program evolves to fit the needs of soldiers through combat feedback the following lessons have been learned and it goes through every fight is a grappling fight Of course, this does not mean that there is no striking. Every fight also involves striking, but always as an integral part of grappling. Every fight is over weapons. Control of this element will most likely determine the outcome of the fight. There's no shortcut to developing a fighting skill. The combat feedback thing, this is something like, even when I was trying to move naval special warfare more towards a mixed martial arts view, and some people would be like, you think, you know, you, you just think it should be jujitsu. And I'd be like, no, actually, I don't just think it should be jujitsu at all. And in fact, and this was the most important thing I tried to say was it shouldn't be closed. It shouldn't be a closed. It shouldn't even be a quote system. It should be an open learning, continuous learning, evolving thing that we're always getting better at. And that way there's things that work and they work now and maybe if in the future we have a different type of body armor that is more dynamic or it takes up more space or it's heavier or lighter or whatever, like things are gonna change. Or the way you sling your weapon now or a different radio you gotta carry or that causes something or a helmet, like there's all kinds of things you gotta make adjustments to. You grapple with plates on, your body armor with plates. Oh yeah. Because the plates get really, they get really in the way, let's say. <laughs> yeah. And there's certain things that, yeah, there's certain things that might not be optimum with plates. Yeah. And so, okay, well, what adjustments are you going to make? And maybe a new set of body armor comes out. Like you could put something called side sappy plates in, which now you have plates on your side. And how does that inhibit your movement? You're going to find this ridiculous Jocko playing with with the front plate and the back plate. And it's a belt on with, uh, with you know, whatever. I yep. say, just, just stuff on the belt. And uh, I set up and guard, and <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and I, I had a little, I was a little weight, a little heavier back then. Yeah. And the front plate Pizza. pinched my, uh, with the belt. And you tapped out. So. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I can't sit in my guard the same way with it. So anyways, yeah, body armor is just a different thing. So there's a, we gotta watch out for that belly fat yeah, yeah, yeah. tap well, out. You gotta lose Bro. the weight. No, yeah. it's no problem now. We gotta so. stay lean. Uh, so that's, that's good. Um, the idea that whatever you're training in should evolve. And look, it's beautiful to see right now jujitsu evolving like crazy. And it's kind of evolving exponentially. I think jujitsu is evolving exponentially now because every one move leads, let's just say theoretically every one move leads to two moves. Would you say that's something you could yeah. say, you could claim? It should, it should, yeah. Maybe even one move. It could be that one move leads to four moves. And yeah. some one moves lead to seven moves. But let's just say, in general, conservatively, every one move leads to two moves. Sure. So there's been so many new moves created in the last 10 years, that, and they've all created and spawned more moves and more moves and more moves. So it's a highly evolving sport. Yeah, absolutely. And some things, are, some things have been forgotten or reinvented again, for sure. Um, Someone's done a lot of things before. Some things have been forgotten. Some things are out of style. But some things are definitely being invented right now. Mm -hmm. All right. Then this is a really thorough manual, and this is what the Army does, man. The Army doesn't play around. They leave no room for interpretation yeah. on stuff. They got things on safety. They got the things on risk assessment, assessments on how you're going to keep everybody safe while you're doing it. One thing they say is combatives training has inherent risks. These risks may not be readily apparent and are sometimes counterintuitive to the untrained person. Therefore, a combatives instructor certified at the appropriate level should be involved in the process to mitigate these risks. And it's also important as a trainer to be able to point out the risks of not training. Like if you don't train, because listen, if you train, you can sprain your ankle. Yeah. If you train, you can you hurt your shoulder. But if you don't train, what's the risk there? The risk is you can- Worse. Yeah, it's it's going to end up being worse. So they go through, uh, you know, how to set up a training area, what what's general safety precautions to to make, and then they got this thing. This is interesting. According to a report published by the Armed Forces Health Surveillance Center, 730 individuals who served in an active or reserve component in the Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marine Corps were hospitalized or medically evacuated for injuries in current incurred while performing wrestling, judo, and unarmed combat training between January 2002 and December 2009. This averages to roughly 100 personnel per year during an eight-year period. Now, quite frankly, that's not that bad, I don't no. think. I think that's actually pretty darn good to go considering how many people are actually training. Um, it says it should be noted that 194 personnel, 40% of those hospitalized and 26.6% of all injuries were injured while off duty or have unknown duty status. Uh, unsupervised execution of combatives techniques is strongly discouraged. This also means some of that percentage is I got a bar fight yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I went to my, yeah. my, my gunny sarge and said, hey, gunny, I, I was training combatives and I broke my hand on yeah. you know, my training partner's face. How's your oh you know how's your buddy oh he's okay, okay. but you know I need to get my a cast so there's some of that going on um, areas of the body most commonly injured of the injuries documented in the study a large percentage of 45.6 percent occurred in the lower extremities in fact fractures primarily of the ankle tibia or fibula accounted for nearly one half of the injuries 
Hmm. That seemed high to me. And you know what it shows you? They're doing a lot of takedowns. Yeah. They're doing a lot of takedowns. But isn't it weird also? Fractures. They're talking about fractures. And so so fractures percentage was 50%. Sprains and strains was only 13%. And what I thought to myself is that's because you know what? You don't have to go to the hospital for a sprain or a strain, so you're not reporting it. I mean, Mm. how many... How many times have you hurt your ankle or your knee training? A few times, kickboxing. A few times, and and gone and not gone to the hospital. Oh, oh yeah, many times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like ridiculous, yeah. right? How many times did I go home like, oh, I'm kind of limping a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, my shoulders tweaked, my elbow got straightened out, Dean Lister, um, whatever. So I think a lot of the strain. I think sprains and strains is actually you're gonna get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like almost a hundred percent. But people just kind of like, oh, just put ice on it and call it good. Well, you think maybe that that the, these lower extremities injuries is from like kicking? Well, I don't know. My goodness, <sighs> I think it's takedowns. Takedowns, straight yeah. up yeah. fractures. I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, well, also, you, you know how point. maybe they'll, they'll turn the wrong way. You know, a good wrestler yeah. face with hips. You know, I'm yeah. saying like when someone's learning, you're going through those those rough areas where more likely to get hurt. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah, actually, if you think about how many broken bones. Have you seen on the mats during training? Not many. Yeah, no. It's usually. I think like I've seen ankle. two. I think I've seen two. One like ankle and one uh, what's radial. Yeah. Yeah, guy got caught in the. My buddy got caught in the bicep slicer. Bicep slicer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I heard it crack. Yeah. Spiral fracture. And he was in the damn. <laughs> still went on deployment. Damn. But. But yeah, that's why it's weird. But how many people, how many times have you seen somebody get a sprained ankle, yeah, a sprained knee? knee? It's like you can't count them all. So this is a weird thing. This is a weird thing. And then it goes on to dislocations and skull or bone fractures and other intracranial injuries, other injuries, concussions. Concussions, they've only got it 3%. Chaco, how many yeah. people get hurt on the obstacle course? You know what I'm saying? On the obstacle course? Uh, probably not a ton, but how many people get hurt going through land warfare training yeah. out in the desert? I'll, you know, in Same. every any in, kind of training, yeah, yeah gotta people get. are gonna get hurt. Like what in land warfare training? Like what? Uh, ankle? Twisted ankle, running, hurt knee. Um, it's usually an ankle and you're a back, right? Oh, for uh, picking up my buddy, oh, yeah. kind of, especially when some people were running land warfare, and there was a lot of buddy carrying to be done. Sorry, fellas, uh, just trying to be ready for war, but. Yeah, people are going to get injured. Like, here's another one, like fast roping or parachuting. Like people break their ankle, people land wrong, people get hurt. So yeah, you're doing high risk training. People are going to get hurt. Um, traumatic brain injury. Hmm. The Armed Forces Health Surveillance Center con- study concluded that a relatively small percentage, 15.5 percent of combatives related injuries occur in the head, back, neck, and nervous system. Dude, I don't think 15% is a small number. I don't like that number. However, these injuries can have disastrous consequences, which can include traumatic brain injuries. That's why you got to spar. You can't spar every day. You know, boxing every day. Oh, yeah, and for sure. That's something that we've learned, and you and I did not learn um, until it was too late because we already probably sparred hundreds of rounds back in the day live with MMA gloves, by the way, which is not smart. You can see better, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that's kind of disturbing. Yeah. You know, when you think about all the rounds you did back in the day while training for camp, 
is a lot yep. of you getting punched in the head. Do you spar with MMA gloves just striking, or is it a, a full? Both. Um, yeah, usual yeah, takedowns. But, right. um, but, you know, you put Vaseline on, you take, or, or, or you put a you wear headgear and small gloves, or big gloves and no headgear. Mm. Yeah, depends. But that's, mo that, you know, we kind of evolved. Yeah. And now it's evolved like guys spar a, a lot less. A lot less. Wasn't it back, in the, back when you were going through SEAL training, they put the boats on your head and jump on the boats and stuff like yeah. that? But now they don't do that. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, but see, you learn from yep. the past because you from everyone has bad necks. Higgs, you, yep. Paws, yep. everyone. Sarge. Yep. Yeah, so that, yeah that, that wasn't healthy. That was not healthy. You got a boat on your head and the freaking 220-pound instructor jumps into the boat. They put sand in And it. it's not like that moment of impact, the weight is distributed evenly amongst the six or seven heads in there. No, he lands wherever he lands. <laughs> and it takes at least, you know, yeah, that was not good. And it feels like there's no real benefit in that kind of quote-unquote training. Yeah, there is there is no benefit. Yeah. It's only a negative. It's right. kind of like getting punched in the head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it's very, now listen, you have to get punched a little bit yeah. so that you are used to it and you're not scared of it, but you don't get better at getting punched in the head. That's why we don't line people on walls and just start going ham on their face. You see those videos with guys yeah, yeah. line up on the wall and start just punching. Yeah. That's, that's just way. freaking different uh, tactics. Uh, that's not just different tactics. That's like <laughs> freaking jerks. <laughs> uh, uh, traumatic brain injury occurs when a sudden tra trauma or head injury disrupts the function of the brain. Initiating the onset or worsening of the following symptoms loss of or decreased level of consciousness loss of memory for events immediately after altercation alteration in mental state confusion disorientation neurological deficits Weakness loss of balance change in vision So so You get a lot of these things if you're sparring all the time and yeah. you shouldn't so don't um and it goes on to some more of this uh, danger. Should a soldier exhibit any of the symptoms of traumatic brain injury, a soldier should ask, should seek immediate emergency evaluation. This is how, I mean, remember when I got a really bad concussion from you? You've had, you've had like, I don't know, three or four. Yeah, but there was the worst one where I went, actually had to go to the hospital. Oh, yeah, I um, call that, yeah. And I remember the doctor said, hey, you know, you no contact for, I think she said six months. What happened? What, what, which one was that? Uh, on my knee or something. No, uh, oh, was it my shot. And you, like yeah, chin? it was a it was a head. It was your head you hitting my head and, and your and chin. My head at your chin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. And it 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 didn't knock me out. Knock me down. And then I was remember I was looking up at the roof and yeah. all, like I saw yeah. that the like, the, oh. the 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 I was like, why is Dean rotating me right now? Because <laughs> everything I feel was spinning. Like it, that's why. I was like, why is Dean? Because he was cross side and like I'm looking up at the rafters in city boxing. Yeah. Remember the city boxing had those big rafters yeah. and I'm looking at him and they're turning and I'm like, I'm trying to put my feet to stop you from turning me, yeah. but it wasn't turning. I was turning you. By yeah, way. no, you weren't. <laughs> and uh, then I woke up in the middle of the night, was throwing yeah. up and dizzy yeah. and couldn't oh, walk to the bathroom. And so I went to the hospital. Because a boxer had just died. That's right, yeah. A boxer had just died. Mm -hmm. And I was like, bro, I'm, I'm messed up. And uh, one of my team guy friends came and drove me to the hospital. Because I couldn't, like, I was done. And But here's the, here's done, and now here's dumb. She's like, no contact for six months. And I was okay. like, cool. Four weeks later, yeah. I was like, I think I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was, we were training again. Mm. Like, doing that, so. Don't be stupid. Did you get amnesia or anything like that? No. Yeah. No, I didn't. 
I got a concussion from football. I think mm-hmm. I told you this, where I got amnesia straight up. Woke up like not well, I was conscious, but I woke up. You know, you come to mm-hmm. the amnesia or whatever, just mm-hmm. confused. Same deal, no contact. But they were like, "Well, it's your first concussion." The next week, I played a game. The first hit, I took another amnesia yeah. scenario. Yeah, I was like, I don't know where I am or whatever. That's why they have concussion protocol now yeah, and all yeah. this stuff. Oh, yeah. They didn't used to have that back in the day yeah. when you were over there at uh, Kauai High. Yeah. I had Damn. probably about 10 serious ones, but one of them after Japan, when I fought a runner, I went to Spain like right afterwards, and, and I was like a 12 year old kid. Like, I had the. I had the <laughs> I had the mental capacity of about a twelve-year-old kid. I was just like, "Hey, Dean," I'd be, yeah, and I would just do. I would just. I was very, I don't know, for about two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Two did weeks. did you you felt out of it or was it? You just know, yeah. I'm standing. Oh, I'm gonna fall down, catch myself. You know, sometimes yeah. twice a day, sometimes twice a week, yeah. and then it went down. Even like six months later, I got like one or two of those. Like like, whoa, I got to sit down, right. but not for a long time. You're just like time. playing with Legos and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Coloring. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it, Chaco, come on, that's good time, well timed. But yeah. right, if they're like, hey, uh, how long? Six months or whatever? Because yeah. yeah, you feel better. Because even mm. the next week, I felt better. Yeah, I was like, bro, I'm yeah, not dizzy. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. feel no pain or whatever. But like, your head is so weak now. Yeah. So like, you could get like a small light. I got a light hit. It was a light oh, hit, yeah. and I was just confused. Yep. Like, I don't even know where I am. Did they pull thing. you out of the game then? Oh yeah, because you were just done. Everyone on the whole team like knew. I'm like, bro, it's kind of scary to be yeah, honest yeah. with you. Like, you don't know what's going on at all. And oh yeah, they knew because I had it the, the week before. They pulled me out. Yeah. Well, Dean, you've taken some shots. Yeah, in your MMA career, yeah. like, and you've never been knocked out hmm. in an MMA fight. Knocked down. I've been knocked down. You've been knocked down, but you've never been knocked out. Yeah. But I've watched some of your fights that I was actually at, and I still can't believe that you didn't get KO'd to yeah. next month. You're just like, oh, cool, whatever. I'm going to keep fighting you. <laughs> There's a reason I don't look like Justin Bieber. <laughs> I look a little bit different for some reason. Yes, you do. Uh, all right. Um, let's be careful of traumatic brain injury. Chokes, next section on chokes. Chokes are the most effective way to end a fight without a weapon. They incapacitate an enemy. With supervision, chokes can be applied in training exactly as a soldier would on the battlefield. Yeah, great. For training purposes, hold chokes only until your opponent taps. Holding a choke for lengthy periods may cause injury or death. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah. This is one of the one of the things we're dealing with. Uh, they with have to say that. They have to say that. Um, I know that's. Wait, they have to say what? Like it could be injury. I mean, if you hold someone asleep for five minutes, yeah. yeah. Um, but if someone goes to sleep, you let them go. They'll wake up. Now, if someone is, uh, there's certain uh, substances that can actually interact with with certain organs that could be dangerous. That's true. If someone has a medical condition, never know. Um, but. Uh, I, I, I swear, being choked out is safer than being knocked out. Oh, it's not. It's it's infinitely safer. Yeah. Yeah. It's infinitely safer. Now, if you being have choked out is painless. I, I, I would get. Yeah. I would go so far as to say, being choked out has no negative impact on your health. Yeah. No. Now, look. Would you want to get choked out no. all day, every day? No. no. But if you get choked out. 30 seconds later, you are totally viable to do anything that you. Well, that you need to do yeah. and with no impairment whatsoever. You get knocked out just like you said, Echo Charles. If you see if someone gets knocked out, it hits the ground. you are yeah. messed up. Yeah. And you have probably some kind of permanent damage to your brain. Choked out, no factors. Would you compare being choked out to like your leg falling asleep? 
Mm. I'm sure anatomically and physiologically there's a lot different, but yeah, probably something. You know how like your leg falls, see you're like, oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. and then it comes back and yeah, yeah. whatever, right? Yeah, then you're fine. That's what it feels like, to be honest. Yeah, it's just it's it's horrible because you know law enforcement. Actually, at this point, there's so many law enforcement departments where the choke is illegal. Yeah, it's the same as it's the same as shooting someone else. Yep, it's lethal force. And you will be charged. And when properly trained, now look, if someone's improperly trained, yeah, there's improperly. a higher percentage that they might actually hurt somebody. True. Yeah. But anyone that's properly trained, I mean, please, if you come to arrest me and I'm being a jerk because I'm on drugs or drunk or whatever, choke me out. Please choke me. Don't shoot me. <laughs> don't shoot me and don't beat me in the head with, the with a baton, right? Yeah. Because that's going to mess me up permanently. Whereas you choke me out, you put me to sleep, put me in cuffs, I'll wake up, sober up, and I'll be like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. Whereas if you hit me in the head with a baton six times, which is what it's going to take to knock me out, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to be messed up, I'm going to have cuts all over my head, stitches, stitches, brain damage of some kind, I'm going to sue everybody, I'm going to be, it's just a disaster. Whereas you put put me to sleep, nice little nighty night, rear naked choke. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing that that's been um, demonized the way it has. And and look, there's been some cases where clearly it was a freaking major problem because a chokehold got put on, held for too long, put on by someone that was panicked or otherwise freaking out. Yeah. And it was the wrong move to make and the training wasn't there to let a person realize, oh, this person's unconscious now, I need to let him go. Yeah, true. And no one was detached enough to be like, hey, you, you, that person's subdued now. You can let him go. But that's jokes. What'd you write down, Dean? No, I was just I was saying like um, you know about the illusions of. Well, I mean it's it's UFC, you know. So if you if you have me in a choke, I'll I'll bite your arm or I'll poke your eyes. And truth is, you get a high level black belt, and they have a choke and try to tr- actually start start with my arm in your in your mouth if you want. Your your teeth will. It won't shatter, but you you, <laughs> op- you you will you will stop biting me. Uh, or, or you reach back for my eyes. You have three seconds to go to sleep. I could hide my eyes too. Mm-hmm. And the eyes are not like jello. I mean, mm-hmm. they're very sensitive. But I mean, it's just funny. People think, oh, you know, if, it, if that's UFC. We're in a control. I just reach back and poke his eyes. That's annoying. It pissed me off actually. You saw that video with Boss Rutten. Yeah, you know, with the chokehold, reach back for my eyes, and it, it's or, or reach for the groin. Yeah. So these are targets or opportunity. You have to include that as a possibility. Right. Right. But I'm saying like, um, th- just the thought of here's a quick easy way out of the choke. Just reach back for the eyes. No, it's not that easy because if they know what they're doing, they're squeezing your tail. You have three seconds. Yeah. You're sleeping. Yeah. You're sleeping. And you're That's not it. getting their eyes out in no. three seconds. You might you're scratch not, their yeah. eyelid. Yep. It's. I've had people try to gouge my eyes out before, and it's ineffective yeah. compared to a choke. They're going to sleep. Yeah. It'll. It'll, no it'll kind of piss me off. I might choke you. Yeah. You harder. might choke harder. Yeah. yeah. Bite my arm right through your teeth. And, you know, it's just stuff like that. It sounds brutal. It is brutal, but don't don't bite my arm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. yeah. So that, that kind of stuff. There is a happy medium of including that as a possibility, but not really awesome that that is a quick fix. It's just something to include in your training. Man. Uh, joint locks. Attacks on most large joints, for example, elbow, shoulder, and knee, are painful long before causing injuries, which allows soldiers to conduct full force training without significant risk of injury. The exceptions are wrist attacks and twisting knee attacks. (laughs) Therefore, these attacks should be taught with great care and should not be allowed during sparring. That's interesting. Pete the Greek disagrees 100%. Yes, I think so. 
the way we do Jocko, Echo, myself, what they're talking about is something known as a told or a heel hook. It twists your your heel mm. or your foot, but the consequences of your knee twist usually depends on if you have a strong yeah. knee and a weak ankle, your, your ankle might pop first. Now, these kind of things done responsibly can be done in training as long as you catch and release. Mm. Also, your partner has to know and not turn the wrong way and hurt themselves. Mm. So I think that should be included in training, but I see a white belt, you don't teach them a heel hook and go hard because yeah, just, or with a boot on, a military boot, you can just grab the boot and twist it. You don't need to get a heel hook, you know? They can just grab yeah. the boot. Mm. So, so with the boots on, leg lock city, bro. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It is with heel hooks. Heel hooks do not hurt until they pop. Until you're injured, right at the edge. Yeah, yeah right at the edge. They might hurt, but I, I've, I actually hurt someone hmm. uh, with a heel hook. I was a blue belt, and I was training with a friend of mine who's a seal, who's all amped up, and I put a heel hook on, and I, I did. I, I put it on to a point where I was like, oh, you know, whatever. He, he's not tapping and I think I just like let it go or whatever, but it hurt him. So, and he didn't really feel the pain from it and I went to something else. So it is a thing and you do need to pay attention to that, that heel hooks really don't hurt that much until you're injured. Mm. Um, wrist locks. Yeah, there's also that's that. That's a weird, yeah, that, I don't know why, uh, is that included? there's many bones in the, you know, the hand, is all these bones together and uh, there's certain, Little pop could be this one bone in this one, this one little like as Doctor Luke would, would mm. you know, as over the hand, the human hand, obviously. But it could be this little knuckle, it could be the finger, it could be you get me this, it could be that finger, it could be the, so a little pressure could pop a finger. Yeah, so so that's what they mean. They are effective. There's some, there's some really effective wrist locks. Um, generally speaking, on the ground, there's not a lot of very effective standing wrist locks against a trained opponent right. at least. Because there's the because the opponent has a lot of mobility. Yes, yes, you need to isolate one of the major limbs, the neck or one of the arms. So the control next to the trunk of the body is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know how like the heel hook, right? The you don't really feel it until like kind of yeah. too late scenario, right? What about knee bars? In your experience bars, uh, same deal? A uh, Kimura is worse than a straight knee lock. As Kimura far as is what the pain, the twisting, the twisting motion. If your if your arm pops in a Kimura, it could be a problem. Yeah. If your knee pops from a straight, I mean, you, you know, you'd be sore. Now, if if you don't tap at all and it does break, then it's of course serious injury. But yeah. the straight knee lock, you feel the pain right away. But but your question is about the pain level. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. The pain so level in a straight knee lock is there, yeah, and you'll know to sure. tap. Yes, you know, yeah, you know to tap. Yeah, I've had um, my knee pop from a knee bar. Didn't feel it even when it popped. Hmm. I didn't really feel it that much. I knew there was something wrong. You're so athletic. But seriously, but, running your whole life. Maybe that's the reason. Running, mm. running, running. You lose a lot of the nerves in your in your knee. Yeah, it's very possible. Yes, because it did swell up. I didn't like. Uh, I was gonna I say, was it actually injured though? It was like because you have those weird knees too that sometimes make out. a noise for no reason. They pop out. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that's a good point. It probably was that. It, they was swollen. For I don't know a week, two weeks maybe, mm -hmm. which actually technically, as far as compared to a real knee injury, is not that much time. I know. So was I injured? Mm, moderately injured, but it did swell up, and I think it was just a meniscus situation. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel it though; it wasn't painful. That's strange. So yeah, could it could be like too. any unique thing. Like people with the arm lock, that that next day their arm swelled up. They didn't yeah, tap. Yeah. yeah, but the knee is a little more serious, but it's not as bad as a Kimura. Kimura, if you get an injury from a Kimura. It's a little worse than a than a straight knee lock generally. Yeah. Twisting knee lock is different. Yeah, well, your shoulders have complex, more complex yeah. joint. Mm -hmm. Twisting. Yeah. What have you? You got knee surgeries pretty early. Yeah. Didn't you, Dean Lister? Ninety-seven and two thousand. How old were you? I must have been 20, 21. And, and what what was the first 25. injury? 
It was it, it was from high school football. I got hit from the side. My knee was on. If someone was on there, like they already got knocked down. They were on their hands and knees, and my my knee got propped up against the ribs. I didn't see him. I'm mm. pursuing down line. I was a linebacker, really? and uh, someone hit me from the right side, and it's I twisted over just perfect. You know, I didn't see the guy. I saw the video. My knee planted on his side, and I got hit from the right. It just just popped right so, over. So was it full ACL? And, oh, ACL. ACL, the LCL, and the uh, meniscus medial, <laughs> medial or lateral. Uh, so you got the triple the threat triple surgery, threat, bucket handle Terry. That's what they called it. But uh, yeah, uh, and then the doctor's like, yeah, you need surgery, but you you have a strong knee capsule. I'm like, what does that mean? Well, right now you're okay, kind of, but that eventually just came out. James Nielsen, he had a triangle. I was in a full squat, just came out one time on the mat in 97, <laughs> and, and then I got surgery. And then you needed surgery. I, I was kind of forgot that you got surgery in 97, and yeah. that you most of your career was post knee surgery. God, shout out to Ron Bergen for, I had an employment for them, and my insurance lapsed. Just like a week after that, so Ooh. I had full. Sweet. <laughs> so I got yeah. Thanks to Rob Bergen, my friend. Yeah, he the job. So yeah, you got lucky on that one. Lucky, though. that's an expensive thing. Yeah. yeah, and then you got another one in two thousand one. Yeah, but that was just a, a men- meniscus. That's just a shaving. Yeah, meniscus. Two thousand one, two thousand three is when it was a good year for me in Brazil. Two thousand one, I was you know for three weeks hemmed mm-hmm. up. It was not a big deal. And then you got sol- shoulder surgery. Shoulder surgery. I had I had, I had five shoulder surgeries in in a year and a half. Yeah. That's not fun. Because I had an infection in Brazil. In that Brazil, I have an infection, you know? A really bad, serious infection. Like, they were even saying in Portuguese, like, hey, we're not saying you might get your arm cut off, but, you know, it could happen. I'm like, bro, <laughs> when a doctor says it, they're kind of like, but they're telling you for a reason. So, yeah. So, think What surgery much. was that? Like, the original problem, what was it? It was my medial, not what it was, my my infraspinatus, my subscapularis, and my labrum, and my rotator cuff, which was all ripped up from all the competitions I've had. All of a sudden, Russia, it broke, it broke in Russia, mm. snapped. It's <clears throat> a bad arm, that's all. But it's okay. Right? It's surgeries happen. Yeah. We have a lot of overlapping surge or injuries. Even actually, I, I didn't, um, I tore my knee kind of real similar in a similar way yeah. the year before, 96. Football. Yeah. yeah, football, same deal. And then and um, your bicep too. Yeah, the bicep. In fact, one of our surgeries. Yeah was on the same day. We ran into That's each right. other. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, I did know that. <laughs> I go I in for that. the surgery, and the doctor's like, oh, yeah, Dean's here. I was like, what? And then he's, like, coming to after his surgery. He's like, wait, wait who was the doctor? Where he, like, knew you guys? Well, yeah, because you said when I first um, tore my bicep was after you tore yeah. yours. It was at a different time. So when I tore mine, I was like, hey, who's your guy? Like, who did uh, you go to? Because yeah. he was back in the game. Yeah. So I was like, let me go to that guy. So it was Norman Kane. Yeah, that's and right. And so I went to him, and then um, then he patched he, me up or whatever. Like, oh, Dean's here. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was the first one. The second, or the when I ran into him was the second one. What like if I, what if I'm being wheeled out? I'm like, Echo, don't do it. Don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trust him if You've I was you. You've only torn one bicep, haven't you, Dean? Oh well, yeah, just it was complete complete tear though. Right. Just rolled up my shoulder. You were there yeah. when they rolled up yeah, my shoulder. Yeah, I was there too. Yeah, shoulders, yeah, yeah, no yeah. bicep. At, you were there too. Yeah, undisputed. Yeah, yeah. Remember Robert Garcia? Robert Garcia like. I don't know, bro. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a bad injury. Yeah. But the second one, it was like nine years later when you got your other surgery on your shoulder, yeah. bicep. It was like you had a, he had a big surgery. Yeah. So I went, and Norman Kane did yours, right? That one? Yeah. But yeah. I didn't get it from Norm. Norman Kane didn't do mine. It was the other guy. It was like his partner guy yeah. or whatever. So, but I saw that's who told me when I walked in. It was Norman Kane. And he was like, oh, what's up, man? Uh, Dean's here. <laughs> and then he's like, no, we finished already. So yeah. then, then Dean's like, 
You know when you come. <laughs> that's a bad sign of, for jujitsu when you let go to get surgery <laughs> and your other friends are in there getting surgery <laughs> the as well. Other guys there too. Yeah, uh, not a good but, sign. Hundred percent recover. Is your um? How is your? It's your getting arm? strong. I get rehab in progress. You know, so yeah. I'll be okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Check. It actually has a protocol. Like I said, the army doesn't miss anything. Protocol no, for no. injured soldiers. You know, it's got everything in here. It also says that striking is not the most efficient way to incapacitate an enemy and often results in injury to the striker. Mm -hmm. So this is like a pro grappling statement. Not only is it not the most efficient way, but I'm probably going to get hurt too. Taco, the old school boxers, apparently, with no gloves, would punch the body more. Yeah. That's why the hands were done here. Because uh, punching the forehead back in those days, yeah, with, yeah. <laughs> your hand's broken now. You're like, eh, you know, private's uh, retired now. Or, or you, you know, you're not you're not going to go into the job at the factory now. Right. You know, and these guys actually worked at the, at the time. So the rumor, actually, I remember I'm pretty much known with the 1800s, it was like the hands were low because you were punching more of the body. Uh, the face, yeah, but but you're taking a chance to the face. Yeah. So, so there we go. I mean, they knew back then they didn't have the same medical care we do now. And there's a reason they were hands low. Oh, yeah, that's they actually keep them in tucked to their sides a little bit yep. prevent those body shots and yet further out in front of them So they maybe can get up and like defend the face a little yep. bit yep. if they need to that's interesting uh, It does say however striking is an important part of overall fight strategy strikes can be very effective in manipulating the opponent into unfavorable positions striking can be practiced with various types of protective padding such as gloves Defense can be practiced using reduced force blows. So there you go Talks about like I mean this is such a detailed document and the army just does this man the army is squared away when it comes to doctrine they they make them just incredibly detailed things and this team obviously put a huge amount into this talking about training the military profession is inherently dangerous commanders must train their units to tough standards under the most realistic conditions possible. This chapter discusses the combatives training program from an institutional training to operational unit training, training areas, training techniques, teaching techniques, and safety precautions that must be considered before conducting combatives training. And they just go, they go, they, they get after it in this thing. I mean, this is like, if you didn't know anything about anything, you could pick up this manual and start to piece it together, you know? Uh, deliberate work risk assessment worksheet. It is vital to identify a necessary risk by comparing potential benefit to potential loss. The draw process allows units to identify and control hazards, conserve combat power and resources, and complete the mission. This process is cyclic and continuous. It must be integrated into all phases of, the, of operations and training. Like these guys are just, they're not even playing around with this. And then they go, what do you got, Dean? No, I was just saying, like, I like how this is structured. I really like it a lot because you need to have a guideline, right. especially in the military. I think it's really good. I think they're doing a good job so far. Folks are very complete. One thing that I think is very important as far as training on your own, if you're in the military or if, if you're under some certain guidance like this, is there has to be some wiggle room, some leeway, such as also a move that I don't even do that well, but I know my students do well. Like, a, like remember Eric had a better darts than me. Mm -hmm. Maybe I taught it to him, though. Um, so, so there's certain things I'll teach that would not be under my guideline, but I teach because some people do those moves naturally well. Some people I wouldn't strive, I wouldn't teach, I'll teach in the triangle, but let's say the legs are not very long, it's not gonna be their main move, but they gotta learn it anyways. Someone else is gonna, is gonna be, that's gonna be their move. So I think it's really important we have the guideline, but there's also has to be some wiggle room. Some that's, that's why it's important to train in your own, your own free time to find your own style. Hmm. I think it's really important for yeah. jujitsu. Yeah, you don't wanna learn by the book only. 
It's good you're, to have guidelines. Yeah, you got to have the guidelines, but you got to get out there. there and go. then it goes through the whole thing of like how the basic combatives course of instruction. There's a BCC instruction and what that does and what that's what that includes and then tactical combatives course and what that's all about and what that includes and then you get the combatives master trainer course of instruction the cmtc this addresses all ranges of the fight by training striking skills and introduces soldiers to the integrated integrating combatives training into the rest of their warrior tasks and drills i.e incorporating combatives into training close quarters combat training and mission unit training and then it goes over duties of the combatives master trainer course certified instructors. And it says everything that they have to do. And there's a whole list of things that they have to do to be a, like a master trainer in this stuff. It just They went to great lengths to get this program. And, and you know, a lot of this, I bet, was they, they you got to play the game in the military. You know, you got to play the game. You got to give the leadership what it is that they need to say, yeah, we, yep. Oh, this is, I bet you they pulled out like some immediate action drill rifle training guidebook and said, all right, we're going to put all the stuff that's in here about safety. We're going to put it in here. Yeah. And they did an awesome job of setting this up where it's kind of hard, hard for the leadership to say, well, you guys really haven't thought this through. It's like, oh no, we thought this through to the freaking nth degree. Yeah. Here's some of the stuff the, the uh, combatives instructor, instructor has to do. Receive at least 20 hours of instruction, gain the ability to teach basic combatives and develop scenario-based training, and understand standard competition rules. Pa- pass a hands-on performance-oriented test on basic combatives, combatives techniques, including the following maneuvers. Escape the mount, trap and roll, pass the guard, achieve mount from side control, arm push and roll to the rear mount, escape rear mount, escape the mount, shrimp to the guard, scissor sweep, rear naked choke, cross collar choke from the mount of guard, bent arm bar, straight arm bar from the guard, straight arm bar from the mount, sweep and attempt the straight arm, sweep from the attempted straight arm bar, close the gap and achieve the clinch, take down from the front to the mount, rear, rear takedown, front guillotine choke. Guillotine choke, sorry. Guillotine. Guillotine point. Pass a written exam on the combatives program and standard combatives rules. Conduct at least one scenario-based training exercise and receive an additional 20 hours of training. So they, they've got everything. Like, that's what you need to do, right? So that's – this is as thorough as you could hope for. Yeah, they forgot the spinning, jumping, double reverse, inverted, <laughs> upside down um, – uh, but other than that, and you know, we had Tim Kennedy on, and he was talking about he's the three time, the three time army combatives champion. Uh, and when he won, he won it twice, and he was the only person that had won it twice, and then he won it three times. So, but but that's just an awesome competition, yeah, awesome, and it's yeah. grueling what they do. It's like multiple fights, and the rules kind of escalate as you go through. I think, like, the first day when they're just trying to weed people out, it's just like grappling only, yeah. And then the next day is like grappling with strikes on the ground or something like this. Mm-hmm. And then like the finals is just basically MMA with freaking fatigues on, right? <laughs> That's freaking legit, man. And there's everybody shows up to that thing. It's the army, right? <laughs> freaking legit. Outstanding way to figure out where people are at. And then it gets into like unit training. And a successful unit combatives program continue to focus on the core techniques taught to soldiers during their initial military training. Mastery of these moves, not exposure to a large number of techniques, will result in more proficient fighters. 
For unit combatives training to be successful, it must become an integral part of the unit's culture. Successful unit combatives programs have four characteristics. Training for every soldier, set standards and hold people accountable for them, motivate soldiers and leaders to achieve excellence, integrate combatives into mission training. So I think like that's the kind of thing, that statement right there, this is what law enforcement needs to look at. Yeah. Combatives training for everyone. They need to do it all the time. It needs to be part of mission training. And you know, I've been going around saying for the last couple of years that I think law enforcement should be training 20% of their time. 20% of the time that you're at work as law enforcement, you should be getting trained. But I think it's interesting because Jocko, uh, we talk about this personally about law enforcement. You're like, you've done vehicle interdiction. You know, mm-hmm. you've actually done it in wartime scenarios at night, you know, and the thing is, um, I'd rather get arrested by Jocko than, actually no. <laughs> Other people would prefer to get arrested by Jocko than someone else who doesn't know jujitsu. So the thing is, <laughs> yeah, it's not always nice with me, you know. I'm also, I'm also not that nice back, by the way, so yeah. to be fair. But I think it's gonna be, you know, is that extreme? I think the idea of, you know, human confrontation, just being used to that more and more. I mean, it, I mean, how do you get debate skills without getting into, you're not getting an argument, you're not full on argument, you actually have to get into the debate itself. You can just talk by yourself or get in the debate with, with someone else to get skills like that, you know? So I think it's a good good point. Plus you get in shape. Yeah, so, yeah. so let me ask you this question. Picture you have 10 police officers. Yeah. And there's a scenario that's unfolding and one of the groups of 10 is like normal police officers today and they have the normal four hours per year mm-hmm. of defensive tactics and combatives. But you have all 10 of them versus another department that is training 20, 20% of their time is spent training. So, and they've been for a year have been spent 20% of their time training. Yeah. And there's a call, some emergency situation. There's a, there's somebody going crazy with a knife. There's you know uh, a, a, a domestic violence scenario where a guy's on PCP and he's freaking out. And and or you come home to your house and there's like something bad is happening at your house. Who do you want to show up? The, yeah. Is it do you want the ten people, the ten police officers that have had four hours of training each, so forty hours of training, Maybe. or do you want only eight? Because two of these guys are, are actually on their training right now. They're not working. So you only get eight. But that eight yeah. has trained hundreds of hours over the last year to prepare for all these different scenarios. There's no doubt who ev- anyone would pick. Someone anyone else might would say pick. That, well, that time could be allotted better to study the law. It could be allotted more for, I don't know, marksmanship. They're stupid if they say that. It could be allotted more for, for, for counseling sessions. I mean, the thing is, we're talking about human confrontation and I think how to deescalate because in jiu-jitsu, it's not always about me being stronger than you, it's about me finding a way around. Yeah, and it's also, it, and also that training is not necessarily, it's not all uh, combatives, it's not all shooting. You, sh- you will be taking de-escalation. Hey, how do you deal with someone that's, oh, you can tell they're clearly angry, it's a domestic violence situation, the guy's freaking out, what are you gonna do? Hey, you need to settle down. And it's like, no, that's not gonna work out well. Mm-hmm. You need to, you, hey, keep some distance, talk to them. You can, so you're gonna get trained in all these different aspects, not just training on shooting and fighting, it's training on how to deescalate, how to get control, how to, how to set things up, what psychological maneuvers can you make to get someone to calm down, like all those things are what you need to get trained in. So the fact that I hear the excuse of like, well, you need the police out, no. 
untrained police have less value, way less value than trained police. Not even close. And you know, that was another thing, right? As I was having some of those discussions and arguments while I was in the SEAL teams about, hey, this system that we're using right now, the guys are trained up in five days. The system that you're talking about would take years, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years to get proficient at. And I, I remember I was like, mm-hmm. occasionally you get a good comeback or whatever. I was like, well, you're in the teams for 20. So why not get good at it? You know, why would you expect someone to get good in five days at something that takes a lifetime to get good at? And yeah. by the way, you're in the SEAL teams for 20 years, at least. Well, I guess you could be for less than no, that. But most guys, yeah. most guys are in it for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 20, 25 years. Let's get good at this thing. So that's the unit training, and they talk about standards, and they talk about making it part of your, your physical training. Yeah. Right? If you're going to train, sure. that's another thing. Like police officers, that 20% of time that should be spent training, that includes, like, how are you getting in shape? Are you in shape? You want to be in shape if you're a cop. Oh, my Seriously. God. You know, you see these, you see these, uh, some of these videos of police officers, and, and you're thinking, wait a second, how is this person going to st- – gonna stop anybody that's remotely athletic even if i just run away how are you gonna catch anybody yeah and you know this this whole thing you know that we did a podcast on the uvalde situation and it's just yeah it's terrible what else needs to happen in america to realize that we need more training and by the way that uvalde situation the fact that people didn't respond and 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 acted in a cowardly manner is also part of training it's also part of training because you learn like oh if i don't do something aggressive then i'm gonna get caught i'm gonna i'm gonna look bad i'm gonna be bad i'm gonna the culture changes if you have a culture i used to see this with seal platoons if you had a culture that like you had some of these seal platoons coming through and they were like ready to take on the world and you throw some scenario at them they were going on the attack and that's a culture that that happens. Yeah. You have another SEAL platoon where it's like, well, we're cautious. We have a zero defect policy. We don't yeah. want to get in trouble. We don't want to do anything wrong. We don't want to look bad. And that's what happens. You see them stack up on a building. Oh, I don't want to go. Do you want to go? I don't want to go. So you yeah. have to you have to inculcate them with the right culture <clears throat> where they know, hey, if you make a mistake, it's okay because you're getting after it. I mean, we just did a freaking podcast about the damn Nazis. And part of the Nazis culture that they tried to instill was we'd rather have you make a bad decision and do something than not make a decision at yeah. all. Yeah. The worst decision is no decision. Sometimes. Yeah. So the training that I'm talking about, it involves everything and it corrects all these problems. It's get them in shape, get them more attuned to, to stress, human confrontation, de-escalation. Uh, how to defend yourself. Being how default to, how aggressive. To, how to not damage or how, how to lessen damage to a suspect. Yep. I think it's I think it's awesome overall. We yeah. had that department that I mean, this, I'm not saying this should be the policy, but one was in Michigan, some county, the sheriff, everyone had to be a blue belt in his in his department. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that should be. Well, then again, but so, well it sounds like it. we're we're on, we're on the right track. Yeah, we're on the right track there. I'm just saying, like <clears throat> like I think it's. A, but then again, we're partial because we're, we we have this great reality called jujitsu that we're exposed to. Yeah, the yeah, yeah person. But, but also we're seeing the news and yeah. we're seeing cops have to do things and get beat up by one guy and taking two or three people to take somebody and getting weapons taken away. And it's like awful to see. How is this even happening? So it's not, look, we might be biased towards jujitsu. Fine. Take my bias out of it. I'll still tell you that you better learn how to fight and you better train and you better spend time training 
Jocko, you've seen at least 10 different videos of 10 different, I'm talking Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt versus um, uh, random PCP yeah, yeah, tweaker. Like, like, like for instance, like he's mounted on the guy, calm, like Matt Serra yeah. in Vegas, yeah, yeah, this yeah, drunk yeah. guy was harassing him and, and even and, and Hall. Uh, Ryan Hall, Ryan Hall yeah. also yeah. in some Wait, restaurants. Ryan Hall? No, oh, Ryan, Ryan Hall. Oh, Ryan Hall, yeah, yeah. Well, drunk people, and they're just mounted, like, hey, man, calm down. They go, oh, I'll, I'll sue you, and they're just holding the guy, you know, hey, call with the cop, you know, and the security comes, and no one even gets punched. Yep. And I know this is, you aren't cops, and the guy doesn't have a gun. I understand, but I'm saying these are black belts, which is, of course, different level, but they're holding the guy down, not hurting him. Yep. And, and they don't have three homies with, with, with uh, batons. So, by the way, you want to have groups, you want to have uh, uh, team tactics with law enforcement, of course, I'm not saying. But it is cool if you have the ability and the opportunity to, well, look at that. And there's also one from Brazil. This guy tried to, I mean, I'm not saying, I think she just left, but she's, this, this guy tried to, uh, I don't know, rock, take her purse or something, and she's like mounted on the guy, just beating him up. This is in Brazil. Dang. Legit black belt. If you're just female, just <laughs> the guy screaming. He's going, socorro, socorro, which means help in Portuguese. Socorro, socorro. It means help in Portuguese, and no one's helping him. <laughs> it's just <laughs> filming. It's like a chick just mounted, just beating the guy. Like It was kind of brutal, but, but um, that is just, let's say it's a grandiose comparison, but... If you have that opportunity and that ability, it's pretty cool. Yeah, there we go. And 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 it's 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 heinous to watch this stuff on an almost daily basis. Or I mean, at least once a week, you're seeing a video of a of a cop that's not trained. Yeah, and and it, at a bad outcome. And look. There's there's all kinds of cops that are doing the right thing all the time. There's cops that train jujitsu. There's cops that are that are doing things right to the best of their ability. By the way, they're investing their own money yeah. and their own time so that they can be better better police officers. Good on them, but should you have to make that sacrifice? And by the way, what if you know a guy's got a wife and kids and he's got a mortgage to pay, and all of a sudden you know it's one hundred and forty eight dollars a month to to train jujitsu, or it's one hundred and sixty five dollars a month to train jujitsu? All of a sudden it's like. Mm, I, I got to make a choice between, you know, getting my kid a new bicycle and training jujitsu. Uh, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice this month. And the next thing you know, they look up in three years and they're not training anymore. Yeah. So why not help the police so that they can help the community? You know, who's doing a good job is our, our bro Ryan with uh, BP. Yeah. He has the, the, the uh, what was React now? It's called the, the Bortac. Yeah. They're like the federal SWAT team with the border. They're actually the guys who killed the Uvalde shooter. Yeah, 100%. But uh, these guys actually, Ryan has his guys, I mean, they, they do medical training, I don't know, but every day, but they have, they have um, doing barricades training, uh, you know, or they're doing ground. I even did a few similar classes out there, and they don't want to learn like the new knee lock, you know. And they're doing like the combatives, but for for the border patrol, and it's pretty it's it's pretty cool because they're not just sitting around, uh, well, they're going on duty and do, but they're actually training every day. It's yeah. pretty cool, and that's cool, the actually. way that's yeah. the way law enforcement should be. Yeah, you should train. 20% of your time. If that means you train, you know, an hour a day or an hour and a half or two hours every day, or that means you take one day a week where you train all day, I don't know. But figure it out. Because if you're not training, you're not going to be prepared. And when you're not prepared, then you overreact. When you overreact, that causes problems. And then you get, you know, innocent people getting killed. Or people that don't deserve to get killed get killed. Why? Because there's a panic happening. It's extreme, Jocko, but I had a. Acquaintance that we're talking, he's he's talking about. He was in Afghanistan. He was he was in, he was in the Marines, and he was like, uh, no army, my bad. He was army. Both sides will kill me for saying that. And he was talking about how they would they would practice putting IVs in with with night vision on. Yeah, and like that's you know, well, 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 why? Well, in case we have night vision on, we can't see, you know, and you know, because it's different depth perception or whatever. But he's like, yeah, you know, that's just something. I'm like, okay, that that makes sense, but that sounds kind of extreme. Well, why is it extreme? Mm-hmm. 
one day you might have to do that. You know? Yeah, and how much better are you prepared for if you don't have to have yeah. night vision yeah. on? Well, cool. Yeah, it's and if you, happen yeah. to, if you happen to roll up on a suspect and they attack you and they weigh 110 pounds and they don't know anything, cool, you can handle them, great. But what happens when they're 220 pounds and they're a purple belt? Yeah. Or they wrestled in high school? Is it most training for in case something goes wrong? Should be. So you have a jam in your pistol. Oh, yeah. well, did I mean you didn't clean your pistol correctly? Well, it's still going to happen. It's still yeah. going to have jams. There's level one, two, I don't know, three, what level? That's what Sarge taught me. Uh, different ways to clear a jam. But it's in case something goes wrong. If, something, if nothing goes wrong, you actually don't need to drill. Really think, why do, you, why, do, why do I need to drill if nothing ever goes yeah. wrong? Something's going to go wrong eventually. So that's, I'm just saying, jujitsu, martial arts, what they're doing in the Army, I think is really good because we're getting ready for in case something bad happens. Yeah, and all of this will straighten out your mindset. Yeah. <laughs> it will straighten out your mindset because if you don't if you're not used to this stuff when somebody grabs you and you're not used to it like somebody grabs me or you or you like somebody grabs one of us there's no mental hurdle of any kind to be prepared for combat in that moment yeah most people when they get grabbed they haven't never been grabbed before and they have to they have a giant mental hurdle clear before they can even respond in any way Never mind appropriately. And by the way, they're not going to respond appropriately. They're going to respond badly. So it's like this has to change. And like you said, I mean, I think this is a lot of the stuff that's in this Army Combatives Manual is suitable for law enforcement. And there's some people that freak out, by the way, when you say that. Like, oh, you want the cops to be military, paramilitary? No, yes, actually. I want them to be well-trained. I want them to be ready for whatever's going to happen. Yeah. So there you go. Um, then they go through like how to sustain, how to get people sustained where they can, where they can then keep up their training. And and stay good. Here's everyday mission essential task list requiring use of combative skills. A compliant subject at a traffic control point suddenly becomes non-compliant. These are just like things to run, just scenarios to run. The battalion indicates that an intelligent subject must be captured during the search and seizure mission. The lead man in the search team encounters hostile opposition and has a weapons malfunction. Okay. Could that happen? Yes, absolutely. Three, when turning a corner in a bunker complex, an enemy grabs a soldier's weapon and pins him against the wall. Okay, could that happen? Yeah. Yes, it could. Yeah. In close quarters, an enemy attacks a soldier under zero illumination. Could that happen? Yes, it could. These are everyday situations that could happen. Well, yeah, they could happen in combat, but they could happen in law enforcement as well. And if you're not ready for them in any way, you're not gonna know what to do and you're gonna fall apart. And then you're gonna end up doing something stupid. You talk, you know, I, I, I've, uh, I've heard, actually we talked about this when I was in Puerto Rico working with a couple of military guys, that a lot of guys are used to this, these optics, like these, uh, you know, EOTech, whatever these things on their, yep. on their carbines or their pistols. Yep. And if that doesn't work one day or it goes out, they're not practiced with open sights. So the thing is like, I mean, if you rely upon that right there, specific that, and, it, and you don't have that available to you, like, you know, you're not, you're not keeping yourself up to, up to, um, up to date mm -hmm. upon if something goes wrong. The drilling, I think, is really good. So if, if you're if you're exactly caught and you can't see, if I can have someone, if I have a hold of someone, I don't need my eyes that much, to be honest. You really don't need your eyes. You yeah, know, yeah, you know yeah. yeah. If, I have, if I have your leg, I know Yeah, people at. compete yeah. when they're blind. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some you know? strong guys, yeah. some strong blind guys. I, I'm, I, Ryan Job. I was training with Ryan yeah. Job after he was blind. And it was like, you know, once you make contact with him, it's like, yep. it's on. 
uh, talks about you know a bunch of stuff with live training, ground sparring, situational sparring. Right, that's something that we've been doing for a long time. Soldier A begins with in Soldier B's guard. They spar until Soldier A passes the guard, is swept or submitted. Reset. And they go again. Like, Reset points, yeah. That's it. It's very straightforward things, but you could do that with with every aspect, like any of these scenarios. You can run these scenarios. Okay, it's dark. You grab my weapon. Let's do it once. Let's do it twice. Let's do it three times. Let's do it five times. What works? What doesn't work? These are like like piece of the puzzle. That separately is each each piece is different, but in the end you put it all together. Mm-hmm. So it's hard it's hard to do the puzzle unless you see you know what what the picture is you know what, what you're gonna make. And if if you don't understand the pieces, you make the frame, you make the corners first, and of course. And so I think it's a it's a good way to have these situational or I call it reset drills yep. or timing grade drills. It's really good to have. Yeah, and they go through you know everything from like oh, how you spar on the ground, how you spar with takedowns, how you do. I guess we, we call it shoot boxing, where you're like boxing gloves, but you're doing takedowns. Yeah. Uh, what do they call that? They call it Close boxing with takedowns. Okay. Um, cool. And then you still have to sometimes, as you said earlier, if if we only do shoot boxing and we never do wrestling by itself, or we never we never advance to where we're doing a full sparring, then we're gonna miss something. Yeah. So you have to you have to you have to mix it up to some extent, or it can be a problem. Um, this is where it starts talking about basic ground fighting techniques. Basic ground fighting techniques build a fund. So all that like we we now we're getting in. This is just talking about like how to run a program, how to set up a program, what the safety protocols are. And then it gets into the like the actual fighting. Basic ground fighting techniques build a fundamental understanding of dominant po- body positions and should be one of the primary focuses before moving on to more advanced techniques. Basic fight strategy. When two untrained fighters meet, they instinctively fight using the universal fight plan. They pummel each other with their fists until one of them receives enough damage that they cannot fight back effectively. Most forms of martial arts training are designed to make fighters better at executing this strategy. However, this approach has two drawbacks. One or both fighters are unarmed. Progress is solely dependent on the development of skill. Bigger, this is actually three drawbacks. (laughs) Bigger, stronger, and faster fighters have a natural advantage. Developing enough skill to overcome these advantages requires more time than can be dedicated to during institutional training. Well, that's a little bit of a weird thing to say because we already talked about, and they already talked about the fact that it's gonna take time. So you can't use that excuse here a little bit. Um, The combatives program uses a more efficient approach. Fighting is taught in the context of strategy. The basic fight, basic techniques serve as an an educating metaphor to teach the basic fight strategy. Fighters learn to defeat an opponent by controlling the elements of the fight, range, angle, and level. The number one element of a fight is range. The combatives program has four phases, projectile, striking, clinching, grappling. This chapter involves the soldiers, uh, provides soldiers with these basic techniques at basic levels against an unarmed enemy. According to circumstances surrounding conflict, fighters can use these techniques to disable opponent or force the opponent to submit. 
you know, we talk about the, these four different. I like they're they're throwing they're in the projectiles. That's actually something that's good. Yeah, box room box room if you say like you can throw a chair at someone. Yeah, and the for sure. Stuff. For sure. Um, so one thing I noticed um, uh, Muay Thai Muay Thai, which of course great great style kickboxing. They kick with their shins, which mm-hmm. that's how I kick. But if you have a boot on, if you block shin to shin with a shin, you have a strong shin, you're fine. But a boot hitting your shin, it's an issue, bro. It's an issue. So Savat from France, they have these little like wrestlers with little metal tips though. It's like, they're not pointy, but mm. if you block like Muay Thai and they have little, those little shoes on with the metal tip, Ouch. your shin is, it's a problem. So interesting, based on how you're dressed, right. a boot, you don't, if you block your shin, a boot kicking your shin is gonna be, a, let's say, not a winning situation for you. Um, so I'm just saying that since we're looking at now because I'm sure they're not, they're they're thinking about having the uniform on, maybe body armor, uh, the boots, maybe not a boot, maybe shoes, but different. It depends on how you're dressed. That's another thing too. However, I am on the side of Muay Thai. I'm on the side of you know. There's even this, this style in Burma where they use headbutts. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's pretty effective, by the way. You know, knowing how to throw Heck a headbutt. Yeah. This kind of stuff. So I do think it's good to get the training and it's with nice Muay when Thai you got, when you got a helmet on. That's true. Because then you can headbutt somebody, and it's like yeah. no damage to you at all. <laughs> And they won't like the result. It's <laughs> good times. <laughs> the recipient. You know, so the way, you know, but if we spar with boots and you kick in the knees with boots, you know, it's gonna hurt, you're going to get hurt real fast. You probably can't. It's going to be more dangerous. You spar Muay Thai, you can learn how, in case someone had to boot on, how to defend it. You get the training from Muay Thai with the tactics and, let's say, the open-minded um, way that maybe the arm's showing here, and you could adapt tactics for something like that. I think it's, it's good. I think it's good. To add the projectiles is actually a good, a good yeah. detail. Well, like yeah, that. and by projectiles, they also mean Some guns. Oh, well, okay, yeah. That That's counts a projectile, projectile weapon. You mean throwing the <laughs> rifle with someone? Yeah. <laughs> um, here's some, here's some like, the, the basic concepts. Create space. When, a, when in combat, a soldier's primary goal to be should be to establish space between him and his attacker. A soldier must create enough space to transition to his primary weapon. So, so there you go. Maintain space. When in combat, soldiers may be unable to create enough space and transition to their primary weapon. If unable to do so, they may need to maintain space to transition to their secondary weapon or close the distance, gain dominant body position, and finish the fight. So you want to create space, you want to maintain space, you might have to close the distance. When training soldiers, the primary goal should be instilling the courage to close the distance. The willingness to close with the enemy is a defining characteristic of a warrior, and the ability to do so against an aggressive opponent is the first step in using range to control a fight. This is something that I've talked about so much because you get that question all the time. Well, is jujitsu really the best thing for self-defense? And you've heard me give this explanation a thousand times. If I have space, I don't need any self-defense at all. I can get away from you and run away, and that's fine. It's when you grab me, that's when we have a problem. That's when I better know jujitsu. That's when I better know how to grapple at least. Uh, gain so they say close the distance if you have to if you can't if you can't create space or you can't maintain space the next thing is you actually go on on the attack and you close the distance you get in close gain dominant position and then finish the fight that's their that's the protocol that they give and then it gets into ground grappling hmm. ground grappling provides a sound base and by the way I'm, I'm not reading the whole book obviously uh, but It's skipping ahead to the ground grappling, basic techniques. Stand in base with the primary weapon, fighting stance, opposing grip, thumbs grip, wrestler's grip, thumb and thumbless grip. Dominant body positions, rear mount, mount, guard, side control. 
and then it starts giving basic positions, basic moves, and it goes through you know basic finishing moves: rear naked choke, cross collar choke from the mount and guard, bent arm bar from the mount and side control, straight arm bar from the mount, straight arm bar from the guard, guillotine choke, blood chokes attack the blood supply to the brain, air chokes attack the air supply. These chokes will take longer to cause unconsciousness. Gives joint locks, tapping procedures. That's always good. I think that's. I failed on that one when I when I when I hurt John Dudley, my buddy John Dudley. He pushed me. I, no, I didn't give him like a pre-brief. Oh, okay. You know, like, hey, dude, I just assumed yeah. that he would just tap, and it may or may not help because he was also kind of fired up. You know, John Dudley going 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 berserker okay. mode, yeah. level nine. Oh yeah. Uh, and he's a great athlete in like twenty nine different categories. So when he was going ham. You know, <laughs> but I didn't give him a good, a good uh, brief. So make sure if you're teaching someone, you tell them how to tap. Uh, then it talks about sweeps and takedowns, and you know, it, one thing that's interesting is it starts giving like how to stand up in base, which we all know. But how do you stand up in base with a weapon? Like that's also something to think about. So they address a lot of these things that take a little bit of thought about how you're gonna do it, because you don't want to put down your weapon so you can stand up. No, you wanna be able to you wanna be able to stand up while you're still holding your weapon. Fast forward a little bit again, you know, they talk about the fighting stance and the fighting stance allows the soldier to assume an offensive posture conducive to attack while still being able to move and defend himself. The fighting stance is not only perform a platform for un- unarmed fighting, it can also be used for various weapons, from close range contact weapons to projectile weapons. Just detail, man. The fighter keeps their chin tucked. The fighter looks just beneath their eyebrows at the opponent. The fighter uses the lead shoulder to block the side of the face. Just squared away, uh, you know, procedures. And and even the, the the whole book, the manual's got every conceivable thing. I mean, fast forward here, the mount. The mount allows a fighter to strike the opponent with punches while restricting the opponent's ability to deliver effective punches, return punches. The mount provides the leverage to attack the opponent's upper body with chokes and joint attack. It goes through in detail all these different positions and then, you know, uh, the guard. And all this stuff is the same stuff we say. A fighter never wants to be under their opponent. The guard enables them to defend themselves and transition off their back into a more advantageous position. But yeah, that's always, what are you going to do in a street fight? Pull guard? No, no one says that. Not one person has ever said that in a serious way. They might have joked about it, but no one says pull guard in a fight. Guard is made you, means you made a mistake. You, you messed up. That's why you're in guard. A fighter never wants to be under their opponent. Right, exactly. We all agree with that. The guard allows the bottom fighter to exercise a certain amount of control over the range by pushing out or pulling in his opponent with his hips and legs. Yes. So there you go. I mean, it, and it's got tons of detail in this manual. And and by the way, obviously this manual is unclassified. You can find it on the internet. It's, but it's there. And if you want to look through it, go look through it. Learn. Learn some stuff. Learn about intermediate ground fighting techniques. So then it starts talking about the intermediate fight. Their intermediate fight strategy involves adjusting the basic fight strategy taught in chapter three to accommodate the unpredictable and varying varying nature of operations. 
Though learning basic combative techniques taught in chapter three, soldiers are instilled with basic fight strategy, the easiest way to impact a soldier's fighting ability. However, soldiers often find themselves in unpredictable situations that span the spectrum of operations. Therefore, soldiers must be prepared to adjust their fight strategy to fit the situation rather than making every situation fit the preferred strategy. So this is telling you to learn more and be adaptable and try different scenarios. And now you start talking about intermediate mount and side control techniques. Posting on the arms, posting on the side, larger opponent pins. This is just getting into more advanced stuff. How to pass the guard, attacks from the mount, attacks from the rear mount. It's just it just continues to grow your skill level and eventually gets to grappling with strikes. Right? So now it says here, leaders should not make the mistake of practicing ground fighting techniques exclusively. Striking is an integral part of all types of fighting. Grappling with open and closed fist strikes force the fighters to ensure that they have positive control over their opponent's hands, which in turn can prevent the fighter's opponent from striking them in the face or using weapons. This is what's cool about Eddie Bravo's combat jujitsu, right? Yeah. Because there's some positions in jujitsu, they work in jujitsu, but if you did them in a fight, they're not gonna work so good when you're getting punched in the head. Especially the palm, not just a slap. Palm strikes, like a punch. They're actually not as bone-breaking as a punch with knuckles, but they steam more. They, they hurt. The slaps hurt more than a punch. Oh, the slaps definitely hurt they more hurt than a punch. More. They don't damage your face as much. Like <laughs> oh, broken, yeah. Well, that, like, like, like cut you, oh, you know, break your cheekbone, yeah. things like that. Well, it's break a different kind of pain, but... I mean, getting punched is can the palm strike can, but that's those slap man. Those slap when you slap yeah. slapped on your chest, your back. Oh yeah, the slaps <laughs> to the ribs, the slaps to the ribs is like a torture. Jocko and myself, we do this many times. Like remember, like if we're having like one of those days, you start pulling the shirt up, and, oh, and, and yeah. bro, and then we got back and forth. Like we're still bros, but we're yeah. still like, like okay, slap, slap. There's like there's some definite. I think at some point, let's let's just let's just calm down. You know? <laughs> It's not funny. There's an escalation that could occur <laughs> yeah, at some times. Yeah, and exactly. unfortunately for me, I'm usually getting the raw end of that escalation. Yeah, I have, to, on the day, I have to hope for uh, for a peace out there. Uh, I remember one time when my kid, my son was probably like 12 maybe. And we were training and I had a bad ankle injury. Speaking of, speaking of Sarge, Sarge shot a single on me hmm. and like, I did something or whatever, and, and it really hurt. I, it was one of the worst injuries I've had. And luckily, it was Sarge, and he, like, as it was probably going to break, he, like, released and, like, whatever, moved his weight. But my ankle's really sprained. And so I'm rolling a couple days later, of course, because that's what we're doing. I had, I had, like, one of that, you know, the 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 ankle braces that like lace up yeah, super yeah, tight yeah, yeah. and they have like a so I had one of those things on so I'm rolling with my son and he's like 12 and you know I, I like get side control or something like half guard I'm in half guard and I like pull his shirt up a little bit and I whoo, slap him right on the ribs that painful spot yeah and you can see he's like trying to move and he can't really and you can see it's like mad right <laughs> And then you know whatever a transition to another position he you know let him get up on top or whatever he dives foot. on a toehold. Oh, he dives on a toehold on my injured foot. And taught him well. You know, quite frankly, I probably should have tapped. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have tapped, yeah. but obviously there was no way I was tapping. Mm-hmm. 
to my own son. No, so I like escape that. And this is the this is the, I've told you this story before. So then, then I got a cross side, and I was I was I was like, and I started I did the uh, paper cutter choke. Wiki. Yeah. yeah, and I go, I said something like, "Hey, I'm injured, you idiot. Do you want like don't don't attack someone that's injured in their injured area and try and hurt them? Do you understand?" Sorry, yes, sir. No. He didn't answer. And he's just looking at me. And I'm looking at him and I go, Do you understand? And he's he's still pissed that I slapped him, right? So I so I start applying the choke. And I'm applying it hard. And I'm like, Do you understand? He's still just looking at me. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> I'm like, okay, test of wills, he's gonna have to die. That's it. So I start you know how you, you know how that paper cutter choke, you go down, then you start going yep. out. I was down and now I'm going out. And he's starting to turn red and purple and finally he's like, understand. I was like, what? He's like, understand. And I was like, okay. And then we just kept training, you know. But yeah, you had that coming to you, by the way. Oh, I definitely had it coming to me. I, uh, although, yeah, I had it coming to me. There's a debate of principle for right. sure, but you had it coming to you. Wait, what? Why? Doing the slap thing. The slap the, thing, the, the slap the, thing. The, even belly. though the slap thing is still done in in fun, right? Yeah, yeah. There's still a level of fun to it. Mm -hmm. There's no fun about trying to hurt someone that's injured. Yeah. Yeah. But the argument could be made, hey, look, I'm not your son. I'm not you, so I mm -hmm. don't know. But maybe some of us didn't sign up for that fun that day. You see what I'm saying? Mm. That's good that it's fun for you. It really is. You know congratulations. What, you know what, though? You got to learn to control those emotions a little bit. It's part of the right? process. It's part of the process. Remember, remember when, um, when you were back... At City Boxing, came back from wherever. You had like Tom, you had Grady Mack, you had, you know, you had all these guys in the mat, mm -hmm. like 10 Seals. You had one Marine, who was the, who was the, the Force Recon guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got training, and I was, I was, I was slapping them, like, because they, they were down with it, because they were getting ready for like deployment. There was yeah. like, uh, and I was talking smack to them. I'm like, um, uh, request permission to go go back to base. Mission <laughs> mission not accomplished. <laughs> like no, say it. <laughs> mission scrubbed. Re request permission. To Anyways, that was a game. But yeah. then again, there's just some fired up guys, and it was like the game. So yeah. the average person, I wouldn't, you know, just crack across the body. But the yeah. son, yeah, injured foot, understood. So what's your what's your assessment? Echo says I'm wrong. Um, it's kind of mutual, like 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 you and I. We do it because we think it's funny. It's statistically mm -hmm. funny. By the way, Jocko has his days. He, he uh, makes me feel kind of ashamed sometimes. <laughs> I understand. But, but it's a mutual thing. It's just different. I don't know why. Um, we, I've known him for such a long time. We've always trained that way. We've always trained that way, for sure. Risk whatever. Yeah. You know how, okay, so this is, I think this is true. So, you know, rattlesnakes, right? Mm -hmm. When they're, like, not full grown, mm -hmm. when they bite, they say they're All more the kind of dangerous, yeah. right? Because they can't control their venom. So uh, consider your twelve-year-old kid, right? Yeah. You're like, okay, we're going, we're going street level or whatever, right? Because there's <laughs> such thing yeah, as street yeah, rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay, we're going street rules, and that's what I would say the slap is. I mean, it's it's usually mutual mm. and kind of understood in this way. I mean, but someone might misunderstood it and like just go hand exactly. back like really hard. Exactly right. Yeah, you don't just do it to anybody. So yeah, yeah, I'm not rolling like a random person and yeah, roll start up the their thing. Has yes, to be your friend or your exactly. enemy. Exactly friend right. or enemy. And why? And why don't we do it? To no, actually, because you, would, of how you wouldn't even might. really slap rib slap 
your your enemy. That's sort of like a dumb yeah. move, right? Yeah. That's this is just like you know general yeah. friendly harassment. Uh, yes, fri- yeah, friendly harassment. Exactly right. <laughs> so, but the reason you don't do it to like a stranger or something yeah, is like don't. you don't know their reaction. Yeah, they absolutely. don't. They don't. They're not under that element of control uh-huh. that your friends are. Yeah. Now, twelve year old kid. Who's to say where he's at mentally? See what I'm saying? <laughs> Apparently. Apparently he's in a vengeance He mode. is like a little rattlesnake where he's like, okay, we were taking it to that level. We'll take yeah. it to that level. He don't know, though. He don't yeah. know what that means as far as the translation to what he can do, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's just going for what's he going for? He's going Bro, for jumping on reason. that toehold. Yeah, yeah. All day. And crank it. <laughs> like I said. Crank it. You had that coming to you, sir. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I guess I, I no. I see, you, you. You're probably right, man. Yeah, I told. But for to anybody. me, that escalation. I guess you know what it is. Part of it is for me. This was just like a way to make things more fun. Yeah, <laughs> I would actually agree with that. You know, like yeah. Dean. Dean, like there's a certain level of if Dean and I get in that zone, there's a certain level of it's just a way to make it a little bit more fun, a little yeah, bit yeah. more consequences. Yeah. The, the, yep. the other day, training Jocko. Like, I was having a good day, and um, I'm like, Neon, we call it Park Bench. Remember Park Bench? Yeah, yeah, so park like your, bench your shin is yeah. in the face, <sighs> and you can't move. And I'm like, all right, sir, straighten your legs. Like, like I'm trying to make him, like, lie against the wall straight, but he won't let me do it. <laughs> so, so you're pending. It's like your back's on the wall. You're on your side, and someone's shin is in your face and your stomach. You're just like, fuck, man. It's called yeah. Park Bench. It's worse than the stomach. It's, just, it's a very demoralizing uh, yeah, yeah, situation. Yeah. Jocko did it back to me, of course, but... But yeah, it just it just makes it fun, you know. And it looks real bad too. Yeah, yeah it looks pretty bad. Yeah. Park it's called Park the, Bench. The, yeah. the, the humiliation yeah. level is high yes. for that one. Yeah, yeah. Park 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 when you're in the bottom, you're like, you feel you feel like I don't know why I'm here, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like I made several mistakes cool. too. Yeah. Um, for, for anyone not not aware, a toehold is basically grabbing like your toe and doing that, mm-hmm. but for your toe, and it's actually your arm is more flexible than your than your ankle, or your knee, so it's actually a, it can be a damaging move for anyone wondering what a yeah. toehold is. Grabbing the toe, yeah. twisting the ankle, therefore the knee as well. Yeah. For the record, uh, I don't think necessarily that you were in the wrong. In fact, I think that your son was kind of technically in the wrong, but a little rattlesnake, you can't expect yeah. him to control, he, yeah. to know the line all definitely. Right, who, was tactical, who was strategical? Which one was tactical and strategic? Was that a strategic? Strategic or ta- versus tactical? He's strategically, he's trying to make him into a tougher, better fighter, young yeah. man. Yeah, mm-hmm. so tactically, yeah. Was it a good? Uh, maybe. Tactically, maybe I shouldn't have let him out. <laughs> <laughs> Teach him a long-lasting yeah. lesson. Yeah. But imagine, imagine the, the, the thing that I, I will say is like, it surprised me, right? It surprised me that he dove on the toehold. Yeah. Because he, he had the weird combination of Dean Lister and Jeff Glover game, huh. you know? Because he... He would train with Dean Lister and Jeff Glover. So he had these weird heel hooks and like toe yeah. holds, and then he's like doing weird, flexible things. So, anyways, you gotta watch out for that stuff. There is this careful that little rattlesnake. Where I kind of went over this with you real briefly one time in our whole life. Where, okay, so and Dean, you could probably understand this too. Okay, let's say we roll right, and I, in my mind, I just know I believe like you're just so much better than me, and we're rolling. I'm just trying to, you know, but at the end of the day, I know like you're just so much better than me. I'm 12 years old, or I'm mm-hmm. me and you're you, or whatever, right? Let's say, okay, you tap me out, Dean. You tap me out real quick, and then I'm like, oh, man, cool. And then I, like, act like I'm going to walk away, and then I jump on your back, and we start rolling again, mm-hmm. right? Just yeah. kind of, like, half joking, but we still go and roll or whatever. You kind of concede a little bit where it's like, okay, I see what's going on. Yeah. Like, we're in a real training scenario. We wouldn't do that, yeah. right? Yeah. So Dean's going to escalate. 
Yeah, and he can escalate. Yeah. He can figure it. But I'm saying what like, you did was an escalation, by the way. Yes, but it's half joking. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's like, it's yeah, half like, joking. Hey, what's what's that over there? And then you yeah, jump I do that, off. I do that all right? Time. Yes, yes, exactly. What, what, what the, the time, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, this. yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm now, what's, see, there's a, there's a, like a legitimate. Like you escalated. If you just jumped to someone's back, even though you quote unquote are joking, you still got their back and now you're trying to choke them. What's funny is that's exactly what he said. Dude. You know what I'm when, And he was like, you indicate, I forget your words, but you indicated that like, like don't do that. Like yeah. we're not trying. Like, oh, you mean you not, did it to me for real? Yeah. Oh yeah. Be, bro, a long time ago, I used to always do that kind of stuff to you. And then I was like, hey bro, what did I say? Did I, I say something to you? That's we, weird. A, when we actually talked about it, you're like, you're, you, I forget your exact that's words, but you weren't down for that. Uh, like not as look stuff. at that, dude. I, but you found me. Like, but call me out. Put it this way: <clears throat> I was surprised <clears throat> because it's not like you did anything. You know, it's not like you said, "Hey, don't you know, don't do that or nothing." Because you never said anything like that. But when you indicate, "Oh yeah, you're not down for that," I understood. But you have to understand, I wouldn't do that if we had a real compete. It was like you're so much better than me. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna jump on your back, and I still don't expect to get the better of you, even if I jump on your back, because you're so much. It's like that attitude, yeah. I think. So that could have been what your son had in his mind a little bit too, oh, though. So you're saying go for it. Yeah, like I, I mean, obviously Dean's not gonna do that. Dean will do that. Wait, you <laughs> go for your injured, injured? Hell yeah. No, no. no, no. no I wouldn't do that. Uh, um, there you go. There's some protocols. There's some etiquette. Protocols, right? Etiquette. Sometimes it gets violated. Sometimes it's grayers. I may, I, grayers. I'm probably wrong. Kid's 12. Should be nicer. Should have been a nicer uh, nicer dad. Sorry okay. about that, yeah. kid. Um, yeah, we talked about grappling with strikes and all that, and it goes through some of those things, and then it gets into like advanced ground fighting techniques and north-south escapes and north-south, like all those things, chain attacks and how everything's connected. So, so leg attacks, Dean Lester. Huh. This section covers the advanced leg attacks. These techniques are taught as a way to change the fighter's position into a submission. Although the techniques are advanced, they still present the same amount of hazard as attacks learned at lower levels. So we got some ideas behind that as well. Reading an opponent's moves. I mean, this is just a thorough, a very thorough book about combatives. Um, and they just did a good, great job with it. And a lot of the theories that are in here just cover what we know and they do it in a very professional way yeah. in a very thorough way and and, it, and the last thing that it talks about is competition and the spirit of competition the con competition principles you know um, he says this is important two things we'll finish with this combative techniques are too dangerous for competition although many techniques are too dangerous for live competition many benefits can be gained by competing even when using a limited set of techniques so there are some things that are too dangerous and then it says, risks of competition outweigh the benefits. Many programs have failed because there was no motivation to train. Competitions are a useful tool to motivate both soldiers and unit leaders to emphasize combatives training. So competition, very important. And there you have it. Um, like I said, great document. Um, outstanding job by the army for moving in that direction. That's incredible, yeah. Yeah, and and the Marine Corps has the McMap. Maybe we could go through that, the yeah. Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. The I know Special Operations. Well, I know in the SEAL teams, we moved in that direction as well, uh, around the same, actually, I don't know, know time-wise, but 
we, we all end up in the same place. And you know the theory here is like you gotta compete, you gotta learn, you gotta test, you gotta get better. You know the, you know the saying, keep it real? Hmm. Yeah. You ever yes. say that, Echo? You ever I say, say I, hey, keep it real? I say it from time to time, yes sir. Dean, you ever say keep it real? High school, maybe. I actually, I actually say keep it real, like <laughs> yes. almost, and I, and I, I kind of just throw it out there, like if I'm, you know, someone goes, "Hey, what's up?" I'll be like, "Oh, you keeping it real?" Like that, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of just whatever. Sure. Kind of a throwaway comment. Sure. But I was thinking about it. It's actually a good attitude to have yeah. with combatives, with fighting, with life. Keep it real, and that's what I think this does. Keep it real. Don't allow for the lies. Mm. The lies. You gotta test, you gotta learn, you gotta adapt, you gotta improve, then you gotta retest. And you can do that with fighting and you can do that with everything in life. And that's how we become better fighters and that's how we become better people. Yeah. I so agree. that's my recommendation, man. It's true. Train, get out there. <sighs> Anything else on combatives? Dean List. Combatives. Well, we're looking at that fine balance of training, something you can train, you can replicate over and over without getting really injured or hurt yep. um, with also including some realism as far as getting ready for the actual threat that you will face. Such as, by the way, if you grapple on concrete all the time, um, it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to be aware, for instance, one time actually I fell uh, for some reason uh, on the concrete with my, my hand and broke my hand uh, because we have mats. So I actually, I know how to fight if, if I don't have mats, but I, I, I made a mistake. I should open my hands at the right time. These are things I have to keep in mind, but then again, you need you want to train on mats, right? So so why not why not always train on concrete? Well, because your knees will be jacked up, you'll hurt your head, you're gonna break your elbow eventually, but um, you want to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. One thing it was it was one of Sergeant Nozem and all the guys in Puerto Rico when I was there for for a few weeks after the hurricanes working, we're just delivering water. That's all. Um, one guy and you probably know him. I don't know his name. But the story is the guy was an ex tier one, whatever, I don't know, SEAL, I think SEAL, became a cop, but he was ranked top 10 in the world with shooting, but where your hands are here, and you reach, it's a quick draw. Mm-hmm. The guy's like ranked top 10 in the world, is at the quick draw, where your hands are above mm-hmm. your head, he, so he, he got stuck up, like, he was off duty, someone actually pulled a gun on him, he went like this, <laughs> he, because he's so trained to do that, he still won, killed, he, he drew on, on the draw, I mean, the guy yeah. was, I mean, that's how fast this guy, he's still, <laughs> he's still, yeah, it's considered, like, you're not supposed to draw if someone's already, you know, it's considered yeah. dumb, yeah. this guy's too fast, so, so he actually went from here and still, eliminated, you know, survived, and the guy, I don't think he, he made it, the, the guy with the loaded gun, <laughs> draw, trying to rob him, but the thing is, that training of him being so fast is good, but he didn't need to do this, he's trained so much that you shoot from here, he still won, mm-hmm. but that's a wasted movement, think mm-hmm. about that, so he still won. So that right there, that kind of training, I think, for quick draw is good. But then again, don't put your hands up here. Maybe that actually played into the whole, yeah. okay, he's compliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it's actually good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah. saying, he, it's a waste. They were, they were saying how he still survived because he was trained. So so that was just, uh, and, and you know the guy, I don't know his name, but that was Sarge and all the guys in there. Like, it's a tight community. Yeah. So I think it, it's good to have that middle ground. We're looking for the middle ground. You want to replicate things. You want to be able to do it in a relatively safe environment, but always be, be prepared for what is going to happen potentially. That's why I like what the Army's doing. It's, it's a guideline. There's uh, some flexibility there, I think. Of course, leg locks. You, you know the story about the Russian. You know, actually, the first time I learned leg locks before chokeholds and, and at this seminar, it's you know, Nikolai Baturin. He's a Soviet champion of Sambo. Uh, old Tatar was there. O- other Russians were teaching, and they were saying, like, uh, the reason they prefer leg lock is because, you know, 
back in Russia, I'm with my wife, she's very attractive, and I go to a bar, a strange man grabs her inappropriately. I'm very upset, I break his arm. Now he goes, the vehicle gets Kalashnikov, he comes back and dead. I'm like, bro, I'm 18 years old, man. I don't know. <laughs> but imagine the scenario. The guy grabs my girl very inappropriately. I break his leg. takes a long time to go to Vyaga get Kalashnikov. There's always some kind of <laughs> use for it. I'm like, this, it makes sense, you know. She, <laughs> it makes sense. I'm already with wife at home sleeping in bed. <laughs> I was actually exposed to leg locks before chokes, believe it or not. So, yeah, it's all good to have the open mind. Well, uh, but chokes are part of Sambo as well. Um, combat Sambo. In USA, illegal because this is back in Steven Seagal days. They thought chokehold, you die, you know, like, you know. So in sports sambo, sports sambo, well, I think combat sambo is not illegal, but it, back then it was. Um, you can do straight arm lock. Not even, you can do kimura in sambo. Just straight also arm lock sambo, and straight knee lock, If you have right? an arm lock and I stand on my feet, it's illegal submission now. Mm-hmm. Restarting your feet. So that's, a, that's an escape from a submission, just stand on your feet. If I stand, I have nothing but my, my feet are the only thing that's on the ground, stop, all submissions are illegal. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah just and at sport. some point they probably had some reason for yeah. that. Yeah. Like, probably, yeah. like if I pick you up and now I could drop you on your head. Yeah, yeah. So therefore yeah. It's, not, sense, yeah. it's not gonna work anymore. When we actually know, you let that evolve a little bit further, and now I'm gonna, when you start to pick me up, I'm gonna grab yeah, your I'm ankle like, and I'll hold you that. and keep you down. And Absolutely. so yeah. you need to let things evolve naturally. Yeah. Rules don't help that usually. I agree. I agree. Yeah, so, I, I, I won two-time national champion of Sambo. I was like 19. And the third time I was going to get third. I, mean, I was going to be three-time, but then I got in the finals. And the guy, he went, Mate! But he stood up. So it means they give up. He's a judo guy. Oh, he got you his arm. Ah, Mate! That's an illegal submission. Um, oh, and my feet were crossed around the neck. They go, it was almost a choker with minus one. So I got, he won minus one to zero. So oh, I man. lost. So I took second place one year. Unfortunately, but Damn. that's okay. So Samba's you're a two, a two-time champ and then one-time. Yeah, Samba is a tough sport. It's good. I like yeah, Samba. no, Russian, Samba's awesome. So Russian no, martial arts, very, very good. Sport. And the combat Samba is yeah, really it's awesome MMA too. with with a yeah. jacket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> straight up MMA with a jacket. Yeah, I mean, look at Fedor. Fedor. Fedor was a was a Samba champion. Yeah, combat Samba. So was Khabib. You know, yeah, tough. Yeah. Would you say Khabib's more of a wrestler? Yeah. Yeah, but, but he's he's done judo sambo. But yeah, his his style is very much is very suited for for Nui. Yeah, just smashing people. Yeah, smash, smash, smash. Yeah. <laughs> he's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. Oh, right on. Awesome. All right. Well, appreciate everyone for listening. Thank Chaco, you. Can yeah. I mention something real fast? Yeah, absolutely. Anyone man. anyone looking to August seven, eight, nine, Costa Rica? We're running a jiu-jitsu camp. And uh, if anyone's on Instagram interested in training, it's for all all skill levels. Uh, Ron from uh, BGJ, Hero BGJ Retreats is a good guy to contact if anyone's interested in high-level jiu-jitsu for three or four days in beautiful Costa Rica, working your Spanish, your tan, and your leg locks. Yeah. Hit it up. Right Hero on. camps in Costa Rica. Hopefully, I'll, I'll see you all there. And, and you can post it on your Instagram as well. Yeah. So that way people, when they hear this, they can follow the link or whatever. Absolutely. And yeah, go yeah. there and, and check that out. I mean, that sounds like a rough deal, going to Costa Rica mm-hmm. and doing jiu-jitsu. Yeah, How long is it? It's, well, it's, th- it's three, it's four days, four days, yeah. <sighs> that yeah. sounds like a good time. I know, I know. When is it? August 7, 8, 9. So, so huh. everyone rides the 6th, 7, 8, 9, and the 10th mm-hmm. is like is like a free day. So it's like four days long. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, check that out. If you want to go learn some jiu-jitsu from the boogeyman. The boogeyman. Yeah, the boogeyman. Check it out. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Go to jockofuel.com if you want to get some of these drinks, by the way, which are freaking good to go. They taste delicious. Used to be, couldn't say that. 
Well, some like, of us could. Well, yeah, you, you'd good. be like, oh, they taste good. Now, yeah, different, yeah. different ball game. Yeah, you're reformulated to perfection. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. So, so get yourself some of that. That's uh, you know the the energy drink thing. The reason we made them. Look, I was on deployment. We used to drink other brands of energy drinks that were filled with sugar. You drink too many of those things? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get like For the, sure. And like, you feel awful. It's even worse, not worse than drinking, but I mean. It's not. It's, a, it's horrible for yeah, you. Yeah, it's bad. And yeah, so yeah. that's what happened on deployment. It would be like that. And that's why when at Jocko Fuel, you know, it was like, hey, do you. Brian asked me, he's like, do you want to do an energy drink? And I was like, hey, I, I would only want to do that if it was possible to make them like actually good for you. Yeah. And then he was like, let me come up with a formula. Just start yeah. with your cranberry white tea. Is that how it started? Yeah, that's how it started. Chocolate with his white cranberry Pomegranate. Tea. Pomegranate, Pomegranate white tea. Oh, Pomegranate white tea. What did you say? Chai? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> cherry. <laughs> white cherry. He said cranberry. Cranberry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Huh? Pomegranate. I don't know. Well, uh, pomegranate's not as obvious. Okay, you know, yeah, so I, I get you. it. I get you. I got okay. you. Yeah, but it, there is a benefit. There's times when you need energy. Yeah. So you might as well energy. get it. And you might as well not have a bunch of sugar in there and have an overload of caffeine that makes you jittery and crazy. Just get something that's smooth, good, clean energy, good for you. Yeah. That's uh, Jocko Discipline Go, JockoFuel.com. You can get it at Wawa. You can get it at Vitamin Shop. You can get it at HEB down in Texas. A bunch of we're we're, we're spreading. I need to call, I need to get a list. Remind me. I got to get a list of all the places you can get Jocko Fuel. Yeah. So there you go. You or have, you USA. Have, yeah. You have demand for it in Brazil now. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. And we're actually Brazil. We got it. We got it down in Australia too. Oh yeah. Uh, there's we have a, a distributor down there in Australia, so that's going forward. So yeah, we're spreading because it's good. Yeah. The yeah. milk is good. The joint warfare is good. The super krills. So it's all good, and that's what people kind of know now. Like yeah. we're making the good stuff. We're making the goods. Get yourself some of that. OriginUSA.com, making geese, jujitsu geese. You want to train that jujitsu gi. Yeah. You want to train that jujitsu gi because it's going to make your all your game better. Gi, no gi. If you do gi, it's going to get better. I think your defense gets better yeah. when you wear because you're stuck more. Because you're stuck more. Yeah. Your offense gets better when you don't have a gi on because you have to do it really tight. You have, you have to advance. You have to keep advancing more. With, yeah. With, uh, with no gi because people slip out easier. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Get, well, you should get a gi that's made in America. Not by slave labor, but by made by hardworking Americans. That's my recommendation. OriginUSA.com. We got some hunt gear on the way. Actually, what's today? I should be hitting my. I should be getting some the first like production stuff coming soon. Chaco, can you make a gi that's just like sandpaper? Like a sandpaper <laughs> gi? I want to get actually, really good. I'm really good at escaping. Actually, no. Because uh, <laughs> you're not slipping out of that. The no, origin no. geese are so comfortable. Yeah. yeah, they're so good. They're spoiled. a different thing. Yeah, they are. We are spoiled now. Yeah, they are spoiled. My first jujitsu geese were like bloody nasty, bloody just awful bloody. to wear. Yeah, so don't do that. Go to originusa.com. Get yourself some jeans, boots, hunt gear, jujitsu gear. We got it. We got you covered. Made in America, all of it. It's true. Good stuff. To the bone. Speaking of apparel, mm-hmm. Jocko has a store as well. It's called Jocko Store. Dean Lister has his own shirt. Yeah, 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 we're gonna have this. Is it out? Is it live? It's, it's been live. Actually, we haven't really. Is this like, the one that says foot yet? Foot. Okay, yeah. so it's a, so it's a takeoff on the good shirt. Yeah. It showed up at the. You were like, what the? F-? <laughs> it, it started off with the good shirt, which had my head on it, <coughs> and then the echo shirt, which said "dang," sure, that which you had designed, your head on it, which way. I designed. And then who designed your shirt? 
Dean. Clyde Campbell just I did it like in 20 minutes just as a joke <laughs> I wore it to the park and it was like oh everyone liked it it all looked sudden. good yeah, yeah. I was like hey man so if it. you don't know Dean Lister is uh, notorious and famous for changing the, the, the realm of jiu-jitsu by attacking the feet and the legs and the knees and so he made a shirt with his head on it. We made a shirt with his head on it. And instead of saying good, it says foot. Yep. Yeah. Same style. It actually came out really, really good. Uh, <laughs> Jack. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, some new, some new stuff on there. Discipline equals freedom. Standard issue. Standard issue. Many colorways. Look at you, you know, with the big words. You taught I me feel that. like I'm talking to Pete Roberts over here talking about <laughs> colorways and whatnot. Hell yeah. Well, hey, you taught me it. So, hey, I'm, I'm, Did I'm I actually teach you that? You knew that. It sounded familiar, but you're the one who said colorways and explained it. I was like, okay. Mm, I, heard, I, I might have heard it before, colorways. but I've never used it till just now. Thanks. It's, that's really dipping your toes into the fashion industry when Apparel. you start saying colorways. It's true. But well, colorways, I think, can be used official. to describe like uh, uh, like cars or like like you know anything, anything like that scheme, anything that could scheme. be made in multiple colors. I believe. They, the in the industry they use the term colorways yeah, like, like sneakers combo. sneakers yeah. I think that's how I know it uh. from sneakers someone's talking to a, a, a sneaker professional yeah. who was like yeah we got to offer these different colorways yeah. and I said okay little right. combos of colors there you go yeah well there you go we got colorways but anyway yes we call it the standard issue discipline equals freedom shirt it's mm-hmm. good it's new I didn't I didn't blow it up yet but you know all right, so you can check that yeah. out. Also, we got the shirt locker, which is a subscription situation. If you didn't know, um, you know, new designs every every month. You get a new shirt, a new design, a little bit more uh, creative. That's what I'm not at right now. Mm-hmm. Can be you haven't advanced. Me. You haven't gotten very creative on your creative description. No, being no. creative yet. So you know why? Because all the creativity goes into the designs. You okay. see, what I'm saying, Focus. not the descriptions of the designs. That'd be like a meta description. See, what I'm saying. Either way, they're good. Uh, great feedback on that one. So check that out at jockostore.com. All right. Thanks, everybody. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to jockounderground.com. Here's some underground podcasts. Check out YouTube, where I'm the assistant director. One of the best, apparently, you one of the best work. out there. You, do you know, work, the best <laughs> assistant director. Just keeping Echo Charles tight on stuff. Mm-hmm. Psychological Warfare. Flipsidecanvas.com. Dakota Meyer making cool stuff to hang on your walls. I've written a bunch of books. Read them if you want. Echelon Front. Echelonfront.com. Leadership consultancy, that's what we do. We solve problems through leadership. So if you want help inside your organization, go to echelonfront.com for details. Next up is Atlanta, October 12th through the 14th, the muster. muster. It's gonna sell out, they all do. So we'll see you there. Also, we have an online training academy. Just like jujitsu, you're, you're not gonna get good at fighting in one day or one week. You gotta do it all the time, that's why we made the Academy, Extreme Ownership Academy, extremeownership.com. Come and learn how to lead and live. That's what it's going to do for you. And if you want to help out service members, active and retired, their families, Gold Star families, check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's got a charity organization. It does outstanding work supporting Mama Lee, our warriors. Awesome. Yep. And if you want to help her out or you want to get involved, go to americasmightywarriors.org. Also check out Micah. Michael Fink, he's got heroesandhorses.org. Just got out of the field, I think, today. Yeah. Bunch of dudes been out in the field for 41 days, riding horses, sitting in cold water, eating raw meat. Just getting back, back to it. And so check that one out. And if you wanna check out Dean, Dean's on the gram, on the Instagram. Yes. He's at Dean Lister BJJ. 
That's right. I cannot be held accountable for some of the things that he posts. Some drama. You go to some dark places in weird times. So if you wake up in the morning and, and there's posts from Dean Lister at three o'clock in the morning, hey, nah, uh, what's that? Be advised, be advised right? Be advised. It's, it's random. You might be offended. You <laughs> might be disgusted. Very possible, yeah. Man, he sent me one the other day. Was that a post from Instagram? The guy getting cut in the neck? Oh, that was it was sent. It was sent to me. Yeah, I mean, it was like a horrible scene of a, of a guy. There's like a, it looks like your typical kind of couple drunk dude, like three, yeah. four drunk guys, you know, gonna fight another three or four drunk guys, and they're kind of talking smack to each other, and then one of the guys like pulls out a knife in kind of that kind of like way, like, oh, hey. I've got a knife out, yeah. you better back off, yeah. and the other guy's sort of like, well, you wouldn't do anything anyways, and it just sort of seems like this kind of innocent, it's crazy, kind of, I mean, as innocent as it could be, pulling out a knife, it was that <laughs> yeah. innocent. It's just, that's all. <laughs> I, I'm saying as in, it didn't look like the intent was yeah. we're about to murder somebody. Yeah. And the one one dude that doesn't have a knife comes kind of like walking over like, oh, what are you going to do? Cut me like with that kind of look on his face, but but not expecting anything to happen. Huh. And in a millisecond, in a millisecond, the dude like swings at him with the knife and cuts his throat. And the and dude is dead in 10, se- I mean, 10 seconds. He passes, he passes out seconds. in five seconds and he's probably dead. Yeah. Another. So another reason. Don't get in street fights. No. Don't get in street fights. They're stupid. You get stabbed in the neck, you could break your hand. Whatever. It's anything in between. So don't do that. But if you want to check out Dean Lister on Instagram, there he is, Dean Lister BJJ. On the Twitter, on the gram, on Facebook, I'm on there as well. Echo's on there. Echo's at Echo Charles. I'm at Jocko Willink. Watch out for the algorithm, by the way. Because that thing is going to grab you. It's going to waste an hour of your day. You're going to take an hour from you. Imagine that. A monster that came in every day and took an hour from you can't or two hours from you. You can't get it back. Nope. That's the algorithm monster. It's going to get you. So that's it. Uh, thanks to all the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines who continue to find ways to fight better in every respect. Thanks again to Matt Larson for driving this initiative in the Army. I know there's, like I said, I know I'm sure there's a bunch of other people that helped out. I know that he was leading the charge. So salute to him and the rest of the military personnel that are out there putting these skills to the test on the battlefields. Thanks for what you do. Also, thanks to police and law enforcement. Do what you can to get out there and train. You need it. We need it. Also, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, Border Patrol, Secret Service, all the first responders, thank you for keeping us safe here in our own country. And to everyone out there, go train. Train whatever you can. Train wrestling, train boxing, jujitsu, Muay Thai, train judo and sambo, and train with guns and knives and bow and arrow. And test and learn and adjust and get better, and it will make you better in every aspect of life. Just go train. And until next time, this is Dean and Echo and Jocko. Out.